Hello and welcome to Straight From The Off, a podcast based around the amateur football scene of our fantastic city of Liverpool. I'm Michael Watson and each episode we'll bring to you a local footballer, past or present, who'll share their stories of glory and despair with us on Straight From The Off. Today's episode's brought to you by Fran and all the lads at Red Run Club. If you haven't heard them, I don't know where you've been for the last couple of years, but you need to check them out. Absolutely unbelievable bands who are going to go on to massive things. And today's episode is dedicated in the memory of Frank Doran Sr., who was a pioneer in the local game. And um, we'd like to just give our thoughts to his family and let them know that we're all thinking about them. Today's guest... My old manager for a brief a brief period, and uh, somebody who's done a lot for the local the local scene in the game and around the game as well. Welcome to the show, John Doran. Thank you, Michael. Nice to be here. Brilliant, mate. That that you've come on and made up that you're on. So, as I always start, it mate, straight from the off, go right back to the beginning. How old were you when you first started playing footy? Who did you play for, and what team did you support? Uh, well, as far back as I can remember, I've been involved in football. I think mainly because my Alfella and Langton Dock. I remember going to watch them. Still remember now at the Al Dockers Club, Edinburgh Park. Must have been five or six years old. Yeah. Um, his dad was a player then. He, he wasn't yet the, the manager of Langton. Um, it was the days when the, the dressing rooms, and, and even a lot of the fellas who played there now or have played there over the last 10, 20 years, they won't remember the dressing rooms were at the, the opposite ends of where they are now. The dressing rooms were separate to the clubhouse, and the clubhouse was a lot bigger. And um, the my memories are, are the fantastic uh, pasties that used to sell behind the bar, and yeah. the snooker room. I think there was about four snooker tables in it, and a punch bag in the corner. And I always had to go in and punch the bag a little bit, but you know, at the age of five or six. But then um, went to primary school, played played for Saint Edmunds uh, up in Waterloo there. Uh, we weren't brilliant. I haven't. Uh, I never played at a great standard myself. Um, but it's funny since this, like you know, the advent of the fantastic social media and Facebook. Uh, there's a Facebook page at the moment that has been putting a lot of old photographs on the, the Bootle JOC. Yeah, Boss and Andy, all yeah, stuff like Bobby that. Bell. Yeah. Well, we were put on it. Our Saint Eddie's school team were thrown on it a few weeks ago. Um, 1971. It was. And uh, I showed me missus and the family and the kids at work with all that. And I said, oh, pick me out, pick me out of that one. And uh, they couldn't pick me out. But there was a fella, God, for, you know, God forgive me for saying this, a lad called Glenn Foster, good friend of mine at the time. I've seen him once or twice recently. And I'm sure he won't mind me saying he was a big lad. You know what I mean? Yeah. His shirt was ripped at the collar, getting it over his head, his big head and all. He was a, he was a big buster yeah. of a lad. Great, sweet left foot on him. Good, one of those players where... Smashing player, but just overweight, very overweight. So everyone I said, go on, pick. Every one of them pointed to him. Oh, right. Even my own kids said, that's you, that's you. They said, oh, this is me down at the bottom. Yeah. So that was a St. Eddie's. I think we got to a couple of, we got to a cup final, but there was a lot of good teams in, in around there. Then started the C from C4 to a good yeah. side and St. Elizabeth's. St. Elizabeth's school team was run. I think his name was Mr. Hammond, the teacher. And it was run like a professional club. They trained two or three times a week properly, you know. And I always remember him at the games with his bike. He used to travel to there on a bike. Then I went to St. Bede's um, in Crosby, the secondary, which is sacred art now. Yeah. Again, never had a very distinguished, never had a very good side. Always a lot of good teams in the area. St. Wilfrid's and Savio and all them. Um, I managed to get into, played a couple of games with the rep side. Yeah. Around, around, uh, 
under 13 and under 15, but only a couple. So was that like sort of Crosby's, Crosby dic- district? Yeah, Crosby yeah, yeah. Litherland district yeah, it was yeah, then, yeah. Because yeah. I remember my uncle Pat, my dad's brother, who has a good career, uh, played for Marine. Um, and he had, I think he had the trials at West Brom. He played a couple of games for West Brom Reserves. Uh, Pat Oren. I think he played a few games for Langton as well when he was younger. Um, I remember in everyone's granny had a, a presentation case in the in the back room, didn't he? In, in yeah. the parlour with all yeah. the other memories and all that. And my uncle Pat's uh, Crosby and Litherland badge that they used to put on the blazers. It was all official then. Was in the um, the case with his medals. And I remember saying to him, what's that? And he said to me, you can have... And I asked him, could I have it? I said, can I have that? You know, and he says, you can have it when you play for Crosby and Litherland. I must have only been about nine or ten, something like that. And uh, by the time I got to play, they never did those kind of things. You were lucky yeah. to get a, a kit, never mind. A, <laughs> an embroidered badge to put on your blazer. Um, so I never did. I never did get one from Crosby and Litherland, but he, he, he gave me his badge. So, yeah, it, it was good, good. There were some good players around that time as well. Um None that you, I always seem to be playing against teams with, with players that, that were younger than me. I remember playing against Tommy Caton. I think he was yeah. a year or two younger than me. He was at St. Kevin's, I think, Kirby. Yeah. Played them in a cup game in the second school. And he was head and shoulders above everyone then. As a kid, you could see how good he was. I think he beat us 14-something. And you know, he was younger as well. Yeah, yeah, he was a couple of years younger. Um, <clears throat> I remember also playing against um, Mark Hately. Yeah. When he was around these areas, you know, um, they always seem to be younger. So there's one kid I remember, a lad called Kevin Cookson, who was a goalie, and he, he they went to, they moved to South Africa not long after school, and he I, he ended up playing a good at a good standard over in South Africa. But yeah. there wasn't them, um, wasn't oh, I can't remember a great deal of, of decent players then. But yeah, lads, you went on to be pros and like that. Just no, all good standard amateur lads. Yeah, good standard amateur lads. I think you had Mickey also. And Vinny also, who, who went on to play and had good careers at professional, you know, yeah. uh, never, never, don't think they ever played at the top division, but always, you know, first, first, second, or championship, second, third division, and made good livings out of the game, you know. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Murray was another one who, who, who came in later and he ended up at Tramia, yeah. Millian and Ed Tramia. Um, I think he's a bit older than me, Eddie, but I remember playing against him at those times. As far as Sunday's league, Sunday league teams are concerned, again, it, Aintree Colts played for them from the Aintree pub, ran by a fellow called Huey Werry and uh, Maxi Oliland. Yeah, I think we got we did quite well, a couple of league times. Played in the Bootland Little District League. Yeah, and then a great team called Queensway. <clears throat> when I say great, they, they went. I don't think we ever won a game, but it was run by a fellow called Mister Rocky for out, out of the Castle pub in Seaforth. Right. Yeah. Now, a couple of years ago, we wouldn't let a kid go anywhere near the castle. You wouldn't let your, your, your dad go near the castle pub. It was that bad a few years ago. But uh, it was run from there. Mr. Rocky used to drink in there. And it was sponsored by Queen's Bay Coaches. And we used to get a coach to, to all the games. We'd only been on to Buckley Hill or somewhere like that. But he, that? So he drove for the for Queensway. So you had your own Ellison's coaches. Yeah, he threw us on, yeah. Threw, threw us all on the coach to drive us up to Buckley Hill or something like that. Good gang of lads as well. Yeah, yeah. funny. And we'd go back to pub. And it'd all, there'd all be, you know... Loads of uh, Christmas lemonade for us and all that, and sat yeah. all afternoon. Um, I think I remember my first game for them. We played Vernon's Colts, yeah, they were yeah, a good yeah, side, yeah. established remember, team. Then yeah, yeah, played in a purple kit, I think, purple and blue kit or something like that. Um, and they beat us 22. 22, but right. I scored the two, 
you know, so. Success then. <laughs> <laughs> Successful day at the office. I got extra lemonades and crisps after that game. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. You know what? I, I sometimes think Saturday teams, especially in like the semi-pro ranks and that with the coach, the coach trips is what Sunday teams like miss sometimes. Yeah. Um, you, the laughs on the coach day, like yeah. to the aways and even like the own games and stuff. We went, obviously we used to meet by the, uh, the hotel up the road there yeah. and, and we go to the aways. Just great, great camaraderie on the coach trips and that's where it all like, yeah, all the laughs and that are. But it's, well, it's part of the team building as well and it makes, it does help to the, the performance of the team. I remember um, we played, I think, I don't know if it was Bootle or Langton. My dad was in charge and we played Ainsdale amateurs yeah. Um, up at the Ainsdale Club, a fella called Joey Weston was running them. We played for Langton with my dad, and uh, we just we beat them five 0 or something like that in an easy cup. And I was sitting with me after that. I must have been about thirteen, fourteen. And uh, Joey Weston come in and sat down with us on the table and said, "Yeah, Frank," he said, "You know," he said, "This is look what I this is what I want like that." And he pointed across to all the players, and my dad said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Look, there's all your players sitting together." All having a pint and all that. He said, we sent a forward sitting there with his missus. The other two are sitting over there. They're not even talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. And that was one of the, the, the good things about the coaches as well. Team spirit, yeah. Team spirit yeah. and listening to... These days, you know, even like the last few years, you're looking at Bootle and, and bringing in new players, you know, especially if they come through the youth team. And I'd watch the match straight into the bar and having a pint. And sometimes some of the players would be in the bar before me some of the younger lads, not even getting a shower or nothing like that. But I used to enjoy sitting in a dressing room. Even if you never kicked a ball during a game, you're learning things off the fellas who do. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening yeah. to do centre half talking about, you should have picked him and I'd have dropped off and all this. You're learning things all the time. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So going back to you, then who did you who did you support? Who did you follow? I was a red. A red. Yeah. I used to go and stand on the cop. Used to pay me pounds. I think it was a pound then. Used to go and stand on the cop. Boys pen job and all that, or no? A bit after that, I think. Was I think it, yeah, it finished yeah. then. I'm, I might look old, Michael, but I'm 38 <laughs> next birthday. Um, no, I think it was just after the boys pen. Used to go with uh, a couple of the lads from school. We always stood on the same spot, just. I think there must have been 40,000 standing on the same spot because every time I hear somebody talk about it, they go, yeah, I used to yeah, stand there. Yeah, same place. About four, t- four barriers up, just at crossbar level and the cop ends yeah. right in the middle. Quality, quality. So go- going back to um, to Bootle and, the, and like, there's been different like incarnations of the club, hasn't there? So mm. at the very beginning, Bootle and, and like Everton were, were major rivals, weren't they? For, yeah, um, yeah. All the, the local trophies going back like... 1800s at the very beginning, the evolution yeah. of Everton and Bootle. So, yeah. what can you tell us about that? Roughly, the uh, well, the... it's a little bit clouded, but 1893 is the is when Bootle uh, first played in the uh, the second division. The old football league started off, and I think there was twelve clubs in it. Preston North Preston North End won yeah. it. Yeah. They won every game actually, and a little bit of a uh, nerdism and and that is. Because they won Preston North Ends to this day, although they never uh, they never practice it, it's still written in somewhere in folklore history that Preston North End never have to change their shirts because they won the first ever football league and they won every single game. Oh, right. So you know if if they're playing away, they never do like. But yeah, Preston won it in the, the first one, and it was so successful they they started a second division and Bootle were voted into the um, into the second division. Yeah. They had half decent season. They used to play at Hawthorne Road, where the cricket club is now. Yeah. So was um, that that sort of the stadium that other people spoke about? Or, um, I mean, beautiful stadium, but the, but 
Is this the first? This the first, yeah. Google yeah. Stadiums is, is, is different. That is the old Maguire just, Avenue where the yeah, tennis yeah. net is now. You know the ten, yeah, yeah, indoor yeah. tennis thing. But it was also it was where the Bootle Cricket Club players play nice, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was room for a footy pitch on the outskirts of the of the uh, of the, the cricket square. The, the square was still there. You know what I mean? There was the, the, the cricket was still playing, um, and it was always Bootle and Everton. Bootle were the first winners of the Liverpool Senior Cup. Yeah, yeah. And it, there, was, there was a very famous one at Hawthorne Road, a cup game, where ten thousand people stood on. So and there was, there was no stands or no terraces or nothing like that. But yeah. they reckon ten thousand people watched it. Maybe being exaggerated over the years, but it was like it was a battle. There was player sent off. There was referee would have to be escorted to the to to um, Merton Road station, a uh, uh, train station or Strand Road train station. There was threatens of them being lynched by the boot by the boot crowd because yeah. Evan beat them two one under their funny circumstances. Yeah. yeah. So that was obviously the first derby of 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 the city, isn't it? Really, yeah. the first yeah. incarnation of the uh, Merseyside derby. Yeah, and I think the. Obviously, the the story about Everton and Liverpool, Everton and Liverpool, and obviously Everton uh, used to get chains in the sand in Sydney um, before Liverpool were even thought of, and play at Anfield. And then the fellow, the fellow who owned the sand and, and the ground, I think, asked them because they were doing quite well and getting a the crowd. They asked, he put the rent up, so Everton said no, and they moved elsewhere. And then Liverpool formed. He, st- he started his own yeah, team, Liverpool, from the Sandon pub. Yeah, we folded that year. And Liverpool took our place in the second division, in the old second division. Yeah. So how come the club folded at the time? Money. So, it was it, again. You know, you think about it. It's, money's a big part of the game now, but it was it was a big part of the game then. There's, there's still um, there's still some kind of paper cuttings that you can read about the meeting of the, of the Bootle FC um, committee and and uh, creditors and trustees elder yeah. elder elder meeting at the Merton pub. And it shows you the, the accounts and all yeah, that the from, from and this, the last season. And they just said they haven't got the money to continue playing. It's mad, isn't it? Like a second division club. Yeah. It's 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 mad to think. And then obviously Liverpool Liverpool step into the uh, step into the breach and then yeah. the rest is history, as, but as they say. An indication of the money as well is something that that what that wasn't known a great deal, but Bootle had the first black player yeah. to play for a fellow called Andrew Watson. Right. Who was a, he was from Glasgow? Who certainly he was a jock, and came to Liverpool to work in the docks. He was, yeah. a, bit of, he was a bit of a craftsman, or you know, or a, a bookkeeper or something like that. But he played for I think for Queen of the South in Scotland. Came down to Liverpool and ended up playing for Bootle. Brilliant. I think he's the first black international to, to, to represent uh, an international player in, in the home count. You know, the home countries. Yeah. Uh, he was mentioned in the uh, the football museum in Preston. There was one yeah. in Manchester as well. But he played for Bootle, and he was getting paid. So even though, you know, even though they're saying that the money is a big factor now, and you hear old fellas saying, "Oh, it wasn't about the money them days. It wasn't about the money," which it wasn't for mainly at the, you know, for a lot of the the amateur teams like the old County Con days. But going back to the eighteen nineties, it was the football league, and yeah. they were paying people. So there was like a thing as well at the time was the alliance, wasn't it? Something to do with the the football alliance as well. But is that where the the second division sort of come yeah, from? Yeah. Mm. Well, the football it, that started from the um, the public schools, right? Yeah. Because if you think what the first um, the first FA Cups was like the Wanderers and the Royal Engineers and all yeah, that. They yeah. were all the gentlemen's football teams. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I think that they they played a lot of. Um, uh, non-result, you know, non-competitive games. There wasn't a league or anything. It was just all friendlies. Yeah, and then they join in on the cups. So from from that point of, of falling in what eighteen ninety three, ninety four, or whatever it, that might have been, and then 
a big gap until the next reincarnation. So was the next the next step then was that the Langton? No, it was there was a bootle in the nineteen fifties. All oh, right, okay. Um, that played at Maguire Avenue, the old bootle stadium. Yeah, yeah. Um, Paul Orr, when it, on one of your previous podcasts, which was brilliant, a great listen, mentioned um, how they used to train at Bootle Stadium and they'd get Ronnie. I think it was uh, was it not Ronnie? It was Joe Fagan. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Bob Paisley. Bob Paisley used down, to yeah. train them, and that that was where Bootle played then. Um, but again, they, that only that only survived for four or five seasons, maybe a little bit longer. But there's there's even a family uh, sort of linked to that. There's a fellow called Peter Moylan, who's my mother's uncle who played for Bootle then and was one of the founder members there as well. So there's been that little bit of a, a strand right through Bootle. Yeah, yeah. So going back to yourself then, mate, so teenage years and all that, so you're following, obviously, your dad's team or, or are you you're still playing yourself? Teenage years coming up to step into the adult footy, what, what do you do? Well, I, I left I left home at 16 to go and study. I went up to Blackpool yeah. to study catering and chef yeah. um Blackpool College. I spent five years up there. So I continued playing up there, yeah. um, obviously for the college team. And then also I played for a team called uh, Bispam of Asati. Yeah. What was and the standard like? West, Lang- uh, West Lancashire League, yeah. Was it, yeah? Decent not, then. not too bad, yeah. yeah. And then I played for Fleetwood Town then. There was a, the lads who had uh, Bispam got the uh, reserve job, reserve team job at uh, Fleetwood Town at the old Highbury. And um, I played for them for a season. Uh and then played played for the reserves, but got a, I played about ten games for the first team throughout the, throughout the season. So yeah. that was a good, a decent, decent level, you know. Yeah. But I remember the, the, when at the college, the first Wednesday, with first, you know, the first week of college, and you get Wednesday afternoon off as you still do now with the colleges and unis, don't you? Yeah. To go and play your sports. And we'd asked, it was me and this other fellow, I think he was in Preston somewhere, and we said, you know, we want to play some footy. So one of the letters said, get over to the sports hall, they're playing this afternoon. So we runs over there, and. Uh, there was two teams, and the fellow who was running the first team was from Southport, a fellow called Terry Parks. And he said to me, We said, We want a game, we want to play footy, you know, any chance? And they were just, the first team were packing their cars ready to go and play Preston Polly. And he went to me, Are You Scouser? And I went, Yeah, I went, Yeah. He said, You're with us, come on, yeah, you're in the first team. <laughs> yeah. Although this lad from Preston was a cracker, great player, but because he was a wool, they sent him with the second team. Yeah, they, just, <laughs> they must have thought he's a bit of nastiness about it. Just associated with being nasty, don't yeah. they? So what, when you come back home then, where, did you play for anyone local then? Or? No, I worked away then. I could, within the chef and the hotel management. Uh, like, where, But wherever I went to work, I played. Like I worked in the latest for a bit, Coniston. Played for Coniston yeah, FC. Yeah. Uh, went down to, worked in Surrey. Play for Cobham down there. Yeah. That was a pretty, pretty good standard. Well, you've, you've got a bounce, haven't you? With the, in the different leagues and the different well, yeah, teams. I mean, like the best. Yeah, I played. I was. I'm an international. Classed as an international, really, because we went there. Uh, went great picking in 1981 on the back of the European Cup final. You know, on our yeah. time off. Yeah. Because I was in the catering game when I got a job in Paris for like four months and played for one of the local teams there. Very nice. So Very a bit, nice. Of, bit of travelling. Yeah. Could you understand it or? Yeah, it's international language, isn't it, football? Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. So back to the Langton, then, how did that sort of come about then for the uh, for the family? Um, because my dad was a player, um, he left the army after doing national service and Langton were in the shipping league then, Liverpool shipping league. You know, when you think you go back to those days, 50s and 60s, there's so many different leagues there that yeah. the fellas could play, so many teams. Um, and then he went into the county comp second division and I think they finished runners-up a couple of years to Guinness Exports. Yeah. 
and then to, uh, it might have been to Lucas Sports or something like that. They got into the first division, and they won the county cup nine years out of ten. And then uh, we always have, have this argument with um, Jimmy Davis, our oh, Jimmy, yeah, not yeah. Young James, and and Lol and all them. Uh, especially when we went back into the county cup when I was manager and secretary. And we, you know, not argument, just good discussion, you know, because yeah, they're, they're, they're football assets, you know, football men and good men, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I remember that how Jim used to say, well, you sold your club, you know, Langton, because we changed our name to Bootle yeah, in 1973. Yeah. We, applied for the, we applied for the county comm. Never got in it the first year that we applied. So we stayed in, sorry, we applied for the Lancashire county comm. And we never got in. So we stayed in the Liverpool county comm for one season, won the league again. And then went up into the Lancashire County Com then as Bootle as well. Yeah. We won the sorry, we won the last we won the year as the last year in the Liverpool County Com as Bootle. Right. So nine years out of ten we won it as either Langton or Bootle. Yeah. So what was the, the reasoning behind going back to the, the Bootle name then? Just because they thought that the club we need Bootle back, was it was it one of them? Yeah, yeah, it was it was my dad's ambition, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, it was this when I used to talk to Jimmy Davis about it. He won a league nine years out of ten. You should be moving on. You know, you should be looking to develop the club and move and, and testing yourselves at a at a higher level. Yeah. It's an argument I always used to have with the Eden Vale lads in the Crosby League as well when I run teams in the Crosby League. Yeah. No good winning the, the Crosby. I used to say to them, go and try yourselves in the Liverpool League. It's no good, you know, winning the Crosby League four years on and go and try yourself again in the in the, you know in the Kirby League or the. Or the, or the Liverpool leagues on a Sunday, so my uncle had ambition to that. Um, so we 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 obviously long discussions with the county council about uh, adopting the uh, the Bootle name. You can't just change your name to Bootle. So we had to we had to get the speak to the councillors and yeah. I remember the mayor at the time was a woman called Vera Bray, and she loved football and she loved us and she she backed us a lot, you know. And uh, the the county FA were involved and they they allowed it. So we started our first season in the Langstreet County Com at Silcox Grounds, Oral Mount Park. Yeah, Oral Mount. That's our, our Warby pitch. Yeah, that's right. Loved it, didn't they? Yeah. So you started there, and then obviously, if you've got aims, you've got to sort of try and get your own your own ground or develop a ground to a certain a certain standard if you want to uh, go up to counties or, or eventually into the football league. So, yeah. how did the move come about to the first? Uh, Ground well, well the one that I can remember, the yeah. uh, Bucks Park one, the old Bucks Park, yeah. Well, again, it was, it was my dad's and his ambition, and not just my dad. There was a lot of committee and a lot of the old lads from Langton who helped my dad's run. Um, you know, when he became secretary and manager, mainly lads who drunk, drunk in the curry. Um, yeah. I saw a couple of them at my dad's funeral last week. They were all they, they all pulled together and they said, "Yeah, okay, well, you know, we'll we'll have a little go." And although my dad couldn't write his name. You know, academically, he wasn't brilliant at, at all. You know, he couldn't write his name, and but he could, he could, he had a vision, and he knew how to get things done. Whether it was putting your arm around someone or going banging a table in front of them, and he managed to do that. We, 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 uh, we went to the council, and they sort of identified that area of Copy Lane. And at the time, there was nothing up there. If you go there now, you've got the gym is on the site where our ground was, yeah, yeah. and there's the packet steamer, and there's all the houses around. We, there was it was just all all open land. We it used to be called the Little House on the Prairie, yeah, because the clubhouse was there and there was and the pitch and there was nothing else around it except that the old owner estate on the other side of the main road. Yeah. When did, what year was that? Would it, that was about, about seventy six, yeah. seventy seven. Because um, 
we were in a Silcox for a long time. I think as soon as we'd made the arrangements to go to Silcox, my dad was already looking at a new ground. And he always had this idea of a proper stadium, you know, and building a proper stadium for it with a bar. And he, we, had, we always used to skit him about it, but he always talked about a room upstairs where you can look out onto the pitch. You know, yeah, most, yeah. You know he, he was thinking big time. Yeah. We still haven't got it, but you know, you had a bit of a p- pavilion on the Silcox, didn't you? That you could look off the steps on the, the, on the pav- yeah. The Silcox pavilion was brilliant. Yeah, great. The dressing rooms were downstairs, yeah. like in, a, the, in the cellar. Yeah, and we used to have the run of the. Uh, I was only talking a couple of weeks ago. There was um, we I used, used to get a lot, lot of followers from the Corry then. Good lads, Billy, Billy Lovren and Billy Smith and uh, Jeff Burrell and all these. Christy Zay, John Zay, who supported us for years. Tommy Kidman and all, and they're great, great fellas. But there's a fella called uh, Frank Brady, one of my dad's mates, Tucker, but a staunch Catholic, you know, really, but a, a good man, like. And um, our secretary at the time, Billy Jones, was a funny fella, but he, he was he was good at making money, and he started a little tuck shop there. And there was a fight in the pavilion between these two fellas, must have been 50-odd years old, because Frank Brady didn't like the fact that Billy Jones was selling beef crisps on Good Friday. <laughs> there was a match on the Good Friday <laughs> and he was selling beef and onion crisp yeah. behind, it, behind how, the how dare you yeah. Yeah. quality quality yeah. could have been worse you could have been selling uh, steak pies yeah, steak pies <laughs> sausage rolls and all that so now that you've got your uh, you've got the ground up on Copy Lane what's what's the what's the vision then well again it was just it was developing it and we won the um, we won the county com a couple of years on the run yeah um, so the Lancashire county com sorry Against well-established teams, you know, against your Clitheroes and your Fleetwoods and, and Cone, as they were then. Um, and it was just developing all the time. And the year we won, the, the Liverpool County Com and the Northern Prem um, joined forces to make the Northwest Counties. And we were all, all, automatically put into the, Division 2 of the, uh, the Northwest Counties League. Yeah. And we won it the first year, went up into the first division. Uh, and apart from when I had it, when I got us relegated, uh, we've been in the in the prem ever since. So who was the uh, who were the, the teams in that in that counties then at the time in, in the top division? <coughs> Fleetwoods were in it, um, Kirby Town and yeah. and Latterly Knowsley, uh, Clitheroe, Bradford Park Avenue. Yeah, a lot of the teams that are uh, Salford City. A lot of the teams that have moved on. You know what I mean for yeah. for whatever reason. If you talk about Fleetwood and Salford and all that, they've moved on because of the cash injection. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, but then you've still got others who, who 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 have at the time looked upon running a club in professional manner. So Bradford Park Avenue have moved up because of that. You know, because they, they at that time they, they said like we'll do it. We'll put a structure in. We'll put a plan in. And uh, and and stick to it, and you know. But they always find the glass. They always find that glass ceiling, don't they? When they get to a point, yeah. FC United and Manchester were a perfect example. They were going to take the league by storm. The money that do that was that was being generated by that club, yeah. But if they only get so far. It needs to be done again and done again and done again yeah. and reinvested. Did you ever uh, play much Stantonsale on the uh, on the BA there? But- when they, when yeah. they were up, up, yeah. up and gone, that was sort of a bit of a derby then? Yes, yeah, th- th- we played them there a couple of times and then they moved, didn't he, when they left the, stand, uh, the yeah. BA? They went to... Um, Formby's, the, went the to and didn't he go to, to Tetley Walker for a bit? Yeah, they, they moved about in the last couple, the names, of, yeah. couple of years, didn't he? And then, yeah. were a good side, yeah, they had some good players then and there was always good local battles. You know, we always enjoyed playing against the likes of Prescott, 
Marine, Marine were my bogey team, you know. I wanted Tottenham to put 25 past them the other week. But, you know, <laughs> although, the, you know, there's a, as you said, there's a couple of ex players that have played for them, and I'm, I'm good friends with Paul Larry. He's a nice man there, chairman. Um, you know, don't mean him ill, ill harm, except for the 90 minutes on the pitch. As I do with every team we play, I think. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, um, success then, that, that comes with it. So, like, senior cups, obviously challenge cups in the uh, when you're in the county common that. So uh, any uh, any good draws in, in any of them away to the uh, you know like your Everton and your, your Liverpool's and all them. All no, along? we we always we had a we had a couple of fantastic um, ties that we played. I remember playing South Liverpool in the F, in the FA Cup once in one of the qualifying rounds. Yeah, probably late eighties, and it went to four games. And the 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 final game was at. at the old Holly Park, and a lad called a fella from from Liddleland, a fella called Alan Clark, scored a ninety six minute winner. I'm sure it was it was either on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. It gone on, you know, it it travelled that long this yeah. game. Yeah. Um, couple of great games against the Welsh League teams in FA Vases and, and FA Cups. Yeah, uh, we I remember we played Bangor one year. We played in our away kit, yellow and yellow and black. It was at the time. We beat them two one, and they they were a good side at the at the time, you know, flying high in the Welsh league, and that. And we beat them two one. It was actually live on the telly and on S four C in Wales. Yeah. So if you lived anywhere near the docks, you could you could get it. You, you know, one it, of those yeah. aerials, so, yeah. so you'd be able to get it. But um, I remember they'd seen the reports and 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 the the, the commentary saying like the uh, the bootle players were like wasps around all the you know the black and yellow, yeah. all like wasps around the, the banger players. There's always three or four of them around them at any one time and all that. So, yeah, but I think that the the best memories are the, are the fellas you meet, you know, the players that you see yeah. and you, you, you're. Um, I count myself lucky, Michael, that I because I was involved with Langton so early. I've seen all. I saw all. You know, Paul was talking about O'Leary. I saw O'Leary play. I've witnessed them running out for bootle with that baggy cagoule top on. And the the opposition team laughing at him, thinking yeah. what they're going to get a bag full here, and he'd he'd sit he'd be sitting fellas down with just a drop of a shoulder, yeah, you know. But I've seen that and I've been involved closely involved because of me being secretary and manager at Bootle, and then also a couple of you know Sunday league teams as well, and now seeing the the, the modern players as well, yeah. it's just it's just so good to, to seeing the old, the old uh, evolution, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it hasn't changed that much, you know. Yeah. People saying it was better then and better or better now, it hasn't really. You know, the ball's a bit lighter. The fellas have got more tattoos and better beards, <laughs> better haircuts. Yeah, spend a bit longer well, in the shower. Well, probably worse haircuts to be honest. Yeah. So, so what, what about the, going back to the colours then? Of of people, how did they settle on the uh, on the blue and the yellow? And that was that like when they come back was. What, what was the uh, thing behind that? Was there, is there history to those colours? Yeah, the there is. Up? Yeah, well, we, when we when we start, I remember sitting with my half fella looking at the, the bootle crest because even then, like again, this was my dad's fault planning because he's thinking if we become the official bootle team, we've got to we'll, we've got to add that brand of bootle, and somebody could start up next in you know next two two or three seasons as bootle something else and become the brand team. So we always adopted the bootle crest of arms as our badge. Yeah. So there's no arguing then, is it? And then we said, well, colours... Now, the 1954 team played in, in white and black. White shirts, black shorts, white socks, I think. The 1890s team, there's old photographs of them in different colours. There's one of them 
in black and white, but do it all in black and white. You know yeah. what I mean? There's definitely one in black and white. Like that's you could do, like that's you yeah. could for the watching watching in black and white. Yeah, yeah the reds behind the green. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we looked at the the, the colours on the bootle crest of arms. If you look, it's called the mantle around the actual crest are blue and amber. Right. Yeah. So we said, right, we'll take the town colours as well yeah, as yeah. blue and amber. You know. Um, so that's what we did, and then we saw an old photograph a bit later on, probably again early eighties. We saw an old fa- photograph from the eighteen nineties of a bootle team, and it looked like a rugby kit they had on. It was like quarters, blue and amber quarters. Yeah, yeah. So we played a couple of. My dad said, "Oh, we've got that specially made," and uh, we played in, in blue and amber quarters. You, but you can't even get amber these days. You won't get you hardly get a, 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 a kit supplier to do your amber. So that's why it's sort of developed to blue and yellow. Yeah, yeah. So what what would you say would be the the sort of golden era looking back at at, at Beetle? What what site what I know it's, it might be hard for you to say, but what sort of what decade or or what particular side were? I I always have a, a, a I love them all for all different reasons, you know, and I always equate them with the manager at the time, and I am biased because it was my fellas team, but the team that won the county com when you had the likes of O'Leary. Jimmy Yorix, the Mortimer brothers, um, Bobby Owens, uh, you know, the, the, a good Kirby influence, Sil Nolan, Jimmy, or Jimmy Tate was a bit earlier, but there was a good, the Wilkinson brothers, Ray Wilkinson, yeah, what a gentleman and what a player, you know yeah. what I mean? That I, I like that, that era. I think it was because probably I was appreciating football a bit more than, you know, I was 12, 13, 14, and I could see what kind yeah, of players like giants, do it. Giants to your arm, yeah, but yeah. the but there's still the Giants to you. But because you're 12 or 13, they still talk to you. You know, with little yeah, 50, yeah. 5 and 6-year-olds, they're roughly there and you move on. But if you want to talk to them after a game, they, they, you know, they will talk to you. Yeah. So I like that. But even if you go back to them, the 80s, when Arthur McCumberski ran us at the old Bucks grounds. Again, Arthur was a bit of a visionary, and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves really at times. You know, he brought some great players through, but had some good teams. Never, I think we only ever won... Um, I don't think we ever won anything under Arthur, but we were always top three, top four, losing out in semi-finals and all that. But he he did more than pick the team. I I I might be mistaken, but I think he was the first one, apart from Mister Rocky back in the Queens who would give us lemonade and crisps and all that. But was on the coach. Arthur used to bring tracky tops in for for the warm-ups and towels and 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 um, soap for all the lads afterwards. So it did the there was the additional stuff. Yeah, all that team building thing. You know you. you you associate with colours, don't you? Yeah, that's why yeah. you see fellas out around town of a night on a Saturday now with the with the with the team badges, with the team kit on because they're proud of it. Yeah, definitely. So Arthur and Arthur had some great players, like some Mick Feeney, um, Terry Cullen, the goalie, um, Owen Brown came to play for us after he'd finished his his professional career. Yeah, and uh, Xavier Enshaw, um, some great players in those days. Yeah. So how did you sort of go through the process of selecting managers and all that? I mean. Susie's out to my dad. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. It was a. It was a committee run by one person for most of the time. Yeah. Um, so, so he he basically identify like he, he looks good. Or, yeah. well, was it from any like sort of poaching from other teams, or was it? Or, or, yeah, now and again, like like so Arthur was Arthur running. It was mainly looking at the Saturday and Sunday amateur team, amateur scene. You know, yeah. Arthur ran a couple of good sides around the Netherlands area. But even the likes of when Jimmy Williams was manager, and I think Tom Williams was manager for a season, and they had, they my dad's got to a point 
I'd be the same. Now, people have said to me, why didn't you go back and, and, and you know, over the last 10 years, go back and start running teams again? You don't see the players. Like me, our fella wouldn't go around and look at looking at games. You don't you don't know the players that are coming through. So we sort of looked at Arthur, who knew the amateur scene, you know, the, the yeah. amateur scene around then, who knew the players. He knew, like, said Jimmy Williams, he could he could draw on players anywhere. Because Jimmy, those kind of players, those kind of fellas are out watching games Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning, midweek games. You know, if there's if there's a fella, kids kicking a ball in the street, they'll go out and have a look to see if there's anything about them. And they'll bring players in. So I think it just evolved that way. Yeah, I think sometimes as well, it's not always about the manager's ability. It's about about his pull, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and who, who he knows and... If you, if you can bring him in, can he bring six or seven with exactly. him who can improve us? And it's sort of exactly, yeah. It's a bit of a gamble, eh? It's just and and that's done with players, exactly. You know, I did it when with when you played for us, Michael. There was the likes of do we had there. I mean, that, that was probably that's that first time that I sort of managed us when we lost the ground. Yeah, and we were nomads. You know, we were at Kirby, we were at the Tockers Club, we were at the Civil Service. Yeah, I'm I'm bringing, for example, Bolden. I brought Tommy Bolden in. Do you know what any of your lads want to... Well, it's so-and-so. We brought Robbo in. Killer. Then he mentions you. You come in. Davy Jones. And it, it, you're starting to build a team together then. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So Of lads who know each other. and Yeah. yeah. That, that's what it is, yeah. So while, you, while you're obviously involved in the Saturdays, with people, who are you following? Sundays or what are you doing? I don't, I don't watch a great, a great deal of Sunday football now. I'll go up to the grounds. I think it's great what's happened in the, Sunday, in the, the amateur league on a Sunday now, the way... You know, you've merged the league. Yeah, so yeah, I think it's brilliant, and all credit to some of the clubs as well. You know, for keeping the um, for keeping the the stability of the clubs going. All the our names that you still see. Obviously, in every league, you'll get teams coming in and they'll be gone in five years. But to, when you see the old names, Canada and and you know the the, the Dengo and all them yeah, yeah. names that have been going for years, it's great to see. And as I said earlier, I used to I used to have a a, a laugh with the Eden Vale lads about. Moving on and testing yourself. In every league in the Sunday League twenty years ago, there was only be one or two teams that would win the league. If yeah. you look at it now, any any one of the eight could win that league. Yeah, Maybe yeah. not if you look at the league standings, but at the beginning of a season, when you look at the teams, you go, "They're a good side. They could win it this year." Yeah. Twenty years ago, you couldn't do that. It looks to be the uh, probably the most competitive Sunday League division in the country, probably yeah. for. for Terms of quality and the crowds they're getting up to watch. Yeah, yeah, boss, brilliant, isn't it? boss. It, and that's again, that's a good plus for the Liverpool scene, the Merseyside scene, if you want, but mainly Liverpool scene. When you're going, to, I know it's all stagnated now because of this COVID, but when you get teams from other areas, obviously they'll come if they get them in the national, come and have a look at them, and if they come and watch a, a team and I go, Jesus, look at these, there's three hundred on the line. 35 um, French Bulldogs, yeah. 40 staffs. Four scramblers. At <laughs> <Yeah>. least <laughs> well, they're getting there, though. Yeah. It's supposed to be 11, 11 aside, and there's 35 or 20 yards on the pitch there, you know, yeah. all that kind of thing. But it, it, apart from the little negatives like that, I think it's fantastic. It's been it's, it's the best it's been for years. I normally go up to the grounds because the likes of Custies and them are playing on Bootle's grounds yeah, at the yeah, moment, aren't yeah. they? So go and watch that. Flying as well, then. Yeah. yeah. Flying. Absolutely I like flying. it. Yeah. So... Didn't you didn't you carry on playing Sundays into like I don't know 
parties or what? Or... I played, yeah. Well, I played for Bootle when I was 40. Oh, you might, you must have, you might have played in the we're, game. Yeah, we're the only Bootle partnership that that have hundred uh, percent winning records. That's right. Aren't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we still. T- I, I haven't seen it in a Guinness Book of Records anywhere. Like, no. but... I'll, I'll tell. Well, I'll try and tell the story. Cool. We were, we were playing Salt Lake Pool away on Jericho. We were struggling for a side for some reason or another. I can't remember. Can't remember why. And uh, we goes up there with probably seven players. We get there, um, and yourself, you say, right, I'm gonna have to play Dave. He was he was the physio at the time. Dave Marley. Yeah. He, he said he he played. Um, we had a goalie. I can't remember his name. Dave Jones. Dave Jones just said his name's John, and he had like a foreign sound. And, <laughs> and Salt Lake were a good team. Keith yeah, Jones and all them yeah. scoring scoring loads of goals, and um, by some by some miracle, we won. We won two yeah. one, didn't we? So uh, two one. Yeah. Dave went through the team. He told me the team before, and he said it was uh, was it Leon? He said Leon was right back. Leon Ferry, yeah. Leon Ferry's yeah. right back. Um, Tommy Bowden and Dave Marley centre half. Dave must have been forced. Email. He's remember, older than me, Dave. I remember he had about. He's ninety six now, Dave. He's only had two legs, but he had about eight leg straps on. He had about eight <laughs> knee straps on in the game. He just powered out all the edges, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Dave was Dave was left back. Killer left mid. Tom Bowden and uh, sorry Neil Robbo and Nicky Ayres centre mid. Mark Tickle, my old mate on on the right. He hit the crossbar from the halfway line, <laughs> and he still goes on about that to this day. You know, and then it was you in the number ten in the Baggio role, wasn't it? And me, yeah. and me up front on me Jack. In the, I don't know about number ten in the tent. I think <laughs> the number ten. And, and we won two one. I couldn't believe it. Do you remember winning goal? Yeah, I scored the winning goal. Was it from the corner? No, Nicky Ayres scored a corner. Oh, the direct from the corner. Direct yeah, from the corner. That the first yeah. one, yeah. They equalised, and then the, I scored the winning goal going down the left. The keeper, I don't know what he was doing. He come running out about 30 yards, and I just towed it, and it crossed. It was like a snail sickling yeah. for about 30 yards, and, and it went in on the Never in the even corner. touched the net. Yeah, no, <laughs> didn't even get that far. But one thing that always stands out to me about that, obviously, it was a brilliant win, and we're all made up, and... I don't know, you probably hadn't played for about 10 years before that, no, and, no. and everyone's stiff as a board. Um, the changes afterwards, as we're coming out the changes, um, someone from South Liverpool, they must have thought, because we had a scratch side, that you'd got like ringers in or whatever. And I remember someone from South Liverpool was on the phone to someone from the county comp or whatever, and he was spelling out Nicky Ayres' name, because they wanted <laughs> to know if he was signed on. So he was like, he was speaking on the phone, he was like, Nicky? A-Y-R-E-S-S and I'll do everybody's going A's, 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 A's and I remember thinking oh we signed on you know it, it's not going to make any difference but then I come up I remember getting home I, I, don't, I don't know whether I'd gone to the shop or something or gone to get the pink hair or something and when I come home my dad said your phone was ringing there and I, I looked on the phone and you'd left me a voice, me- a voice message saying Michael you were outstanding today brilliant and I played it to my dad and he was like go ahead lad yeah, well, yeah. and I remember just thinking nice touch that because obviously we were back to the walls and, and yeah but and, you're, you're, you know you're, you're there of all these fellas and you've had someone on the show here who've hit the heights won everything but there's no greater feeling than beating a team when you weren't supposed to beat them yeah with 100%, a scratch side and you've got through it with your own determination and, and, and bravery, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's no, and that's why I remember, <laughs> probably because I've, I've been involved in more relegation battles than I, than I should, should have yeah. done really, but that's why I remember all the big, the, the big games that you win to, to avoid relegation. Yeah. Or no, to, it's mad. I'll, I'll never forget that game. It's weird. It's like, 
Dave, me and Dave always said it's the greatest result in, in Pool's history just because of how how depleted the team was beforehand. And, and, and but I, I've, I've got a confession to make here because I, when I tell that story, I, tell, I always say that me and Nicky here scored the goals. I told me not for my goal. <laughs> but, and another thing that sticks with me, my second game, so my first game for Beetle was away on uh, Edgehill College yeah. and we, we won. We won 2-0 or 2-1 or something like that. My second game was at home at the Civ. I think it was Lucas Sports. And um, someone smashed me, sent a circle back to goal, trying to like hold it up. Someone smashed me right through the back of me. I'm rolling around on the floor and the ref come over to sort of pick me up and stood on my hands. And I've gone, That's right, I've gone, are you fucking taking the piss, ref? And he went, where are you talking to? Sent me off. Yeah, I remember, I remember yeah. you coming on going, you've just stood on his hands. He's not, he, I was, I, just, I screamed something like, FNL and he sent me off for like descent yeah. but he stood on my fingers and I remember you going you've just nearly chopped his fingers off coming out and I thought at least he's back and we, we, we appealed it but we never won I, I said to the referee I said pull your black shirt up you've got a Lucas kit on underneath there yeah. because I remember he was giving a couple of ticket decisions but uh, yeah all those games well there's a funny story I've heard uh, was it you and David's we had a chat about how Nicky has come to, to play for us yeah, yeah. So we we just obviously he's a well known character in the in the city, isn't he? So we'd be playing, and because we used to play for uh, or or me, Robbo, Tommy Bowden, and that played for uh, Saint Phillies for a bit. Alpo and that. Nicky played Alpo. for the East Villa, so we come up against them. And, and I remember <coughs> once he broke he broke Tickle's arm in a tackle, and uh, Tickle said to him, "I was in the kicking." Tickle said to them in that game, that sort of pool game, he went. Eh. Don't you, don't, he said, Nicky, don't you remember me? And he went, no, lad, why? And he, he said, uh, on, his, on Mini Wembley, East Villa, he's seen Phillies, he said, you've done something and broke me arm. And he sort of like looked for him as if he was like racking his brains and he went, oh, many have fallen on their sons. <laughs> and he just all started laughing. But when we were playing for Bootle, we'd see him like appear and he'd be watching from a distance and we'd be thinking, how come Nicky is, is, is watching us? And then, We'd played an algo every now and again, and you blagged us, didn't you? Saying we were playing um, Pilkington Glass, and everyone get here, and it's going to be a lovely game. It gets there, well, forty cars turn up, and it's an algo all jump out, and everyone's like, oh, "Fuck!" It was a, it was a pre-season friendly, yeah, after, and we couldn't get a pitch, so we played at Liverpool Ramblers pitch, you know yeah, that the Ramblers, yeah, pitch, Bosch pitch, Crosby, great pitch, yeah. yeah. Bosch. They do only play about six games on it the season, yeah, great, and. Uh, uh, he, he phoned me and I said it's two hundred quid, Nick, to you know to hide their pitch. I'll pay it. I'll pay it. Don't worry. And as you said, we had the bare eleven. I think it was our Joseph's one of our Joe's first games. Joe Jordan, my nephew. In fact, I think he scored the winner or the equaliser. Yeah, it was four, four all. Yeah, four, four all. Yeah. Wise, don't come remember Paul Wise. Oh, he never come back. What a Because <laughs> you played the so you played the Nalgo and scared him off. That's why you never come back again. But he he turns up and then he said at the end of the game he said do the same again next week, John. I said. Yeah, he said, I said, you'll have to pay the, the fee again. He said, yeah, all right. So anyway, I had his number and we were struggling for, for players. And he t- as you said, he turned up 40 cars, four players in each, you know. Yeah. So I phoned him and I said, any any players before us, you know, send them along. Like he's going, oh, I don't know. They, they, you know, he's, he's he's signed with him. And he went, he said, when, you know, when's your next game? I said, get to such and such at 11 o'clock or whatever. He turns up on his own. And I said, what's up? He said, I wouldn't mind playing myself. He said, I have enough of all that. You know, being the manager and having to have the front and all this, I just want to play a game of footy. And he played a few games for us, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he played. Well, he played at the half the full season, didn't yeah, he? The second yeah. half of the season. I remember we were up at um, we used to play at university grounds. Oh, the team playing in red, red and red and yellow. And we were playing them and Mosley Hill. 
up in the area. And um, he'd been booked about three or four games on run. We'd been booked. It was seven pound a book, and then we were skins, boot was skins. We never had a bean. I didn't know what his business was. I thought he had a car showroom, something like that. And I remember saying to him, Nicky, you've been booked a few times. You know, you've got to pay your own fees. You went, yeah, how much? I said, it's 28 quid. He took a word out as big as my head and just <laughs> <laughs> gave me about 40, 50 quid. He went, yeah. So, yeah, so that. Yeah. But does, our Joseph played for um, Sacre Care on a Saturday when he he, let, he had a little spell off from Bootle. And he played up at Flinders Street one day and then, um, there was a game on the next pitch going on and there was murder at, at this pitch. And I just was saying, oh my God, what's going on over there? And somebody said, whatever the teams are, he said, Nicky Ayers is over there. and you know, So they, they go in and one of our Joseph's mates, it might have been GMEA or someone, a bit lippy as they're going in, said something. Next minute the door bursts open and in runs Nicky Ayers. Where's Joe Doran? Where's Doran? Where's Doran? And Joe's sitting in the corner, sitting himself, going, what, what have I, I haven't said nothing. And he came over to him and we went, How's your granddad? How's your granddad? How's your John and all this? You know, put the shits up and like, but then said, yeah, got it, got away with one. Yeah, yeah I thought he at the time. I thought he was sort of, I don't know, angling to be manager and, and sort of bring that that Sunday now go team. He with a very yeah, good team yeah. over over to sort of, you know, be beautiful yeah. or, or one of them. But it was it was never it was never suggested, and that's the first I've even thought of it as well, Mike. You know, yeah. there's been many. Uh, Carpetbaggers, we've called them, who've wanted to come into Bootle, have promised money to me, Alfella. Even when me, Alfella, I don't mean to me, Alfella personally, although a lot of people think he's had this big 12 bedroom house up in South Paul for the last 30 years from yeah. Bootle. I tell you, you know, he's there. He certainly hasn't that. But there's been loads of money who've come in and said, yeah, I'll take over the club and I'll put money into the footy and all that. And we've we've ordered them off because it's, it's eventually seen they've gone to other clubs. And it's they've done the same, and five years later the club's gone. Yeah, the club's so it proves to be the right decision. It's a yeah. it's a fine balancing act of yeah. of needing needing that injection of of money and support, yeah. and actually taking it from the wrong person. You see it a lot a lot in the um, in the non league and, and and the Welsh leagues and things like yeah. that. Team sort of for two years they're flying all kinds of money, and and then next minute they're gone. Yeah. Aren't they? well, remember that Crane Wesley. The fella, I think he had Stephen Isbury when they were in the, the conference going yeah. back about 15 years. And he was manager, secretary. Obviously, he, had, he was he owned the place. And he had a good run in the cup, the FA Cup. Made about half a million out of it, something like that. He jumped ship, uh, took his money, and bought his way into a foot football league club. Can't remember who it was, what league club we went to. But he ended up manager at Norwich, manager at Preston, so all these places. Rubbish like that. But he, he killed off Stevenage. Because he went, I'm taking my money with me. Yeah. So there's been so many, you know, obviously they've, they've recovered, but there's been so many good clubs that have gone. Cone Dynamos is another example. They were in the Lancashire County Con with us. There's a fellow called Chalky White, yeah. who's an area from from the Burnley area. Yeah, he was involved in um, in timber trade, and there's a, there's a massive German company. They ended up um, sponsoring the league, the Northwest Counties League, and they put money into Cone, and Cone flew. You know, they went up the leagues. Yeah, I think they paid at the time. They paid twenty five thousand pounds for Carl Thomas to go. On. Yeah, the, the su- successful team it was a backbone of of Scousers. I think they had a centre half who played for us, Steve McNeilis from um, from Netherlands, who was only as tall as me, but he could hit a ball. He could, he could, you know, he could hang in the air to win balls. Carl Thomas, a couple of other players from Liverpool, 
as soon as the 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 the, the, uh, the German company pulled the money out, they they, they folded and they had to start all over again. Then. Yeah, that's the difficulty of it. Speaking of uh, Germans, I read on the, the Wikipedia that Bert Troutman trained with people back in the day and and, and was going to sign and then ended up going. St. Helens. St. Helens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was a prisoner of war, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, and he obviously, when, when he let him out and, and, and came to once to the play, he trained with Bootle a few times, but then yeah, I think he only played a few games for St. Helens. Like, if you if you were to listen to St. Helens, you'd think he'd played four seasons. And <laughs> well, he was a man of the city and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. Mad, mad that. What about any other uh, former players from, from Bootle go on to be. Uh, Professionals or any- no, it's not many. There was what I call Lee Steele in the eighties. Yeah, made a good living out of the professional. Went from us to Witten Albion, um, and then I think it was Witten Albion said to me, "I fell it. He wanted to sign Lee Steele," and um, and me, I fell said, "Well, you're going to have to pay for him." And he said, "Well, come on, Frank. He's not on a contract." My dad said, "He's on a contract," and it was one of them bottom draw contracts. Yeah, you yeah. can't do it these days. He said, "Come on, Frank. You know." We'll give you a bag of balls and we'll play it in a friendly next year. So that was the signing on fee we got for uh, yeah. or that was the transfer fee we got for Lee Steele. He was just like a little, you know, like an uh, Andrew Johnson, a, a AJ type of player. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Just busy around the box and, and could score goals. Um, yeah. But, you know, there haven't been that many. There's a lot of have gone on to play at a higher standard in the, in the non-league level and, and done very well around there. You know, I remember the likes of, uh, well, a lot of them we went, went to play for Paul Orr at Nosley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, yeah. you know, the, the, the Kirby crew. Um, and, it, you know, there's, there's Billy Lock. Billy Lock is a is born and bred Bootle. Yeah. Billy Lockman. And played with Bootle for years when lesser players than him were going and getting money elsewhere. And he stuck to Bootle. Yeah. And I think it was only when he started having a family or his family were getting older that he, he, went, he went and played for Bearsco for a good few years then. And, you know, but, see, but even players who should have played at a higher level. That, uh, that have all gone through Bootle's books as well. Yeah. But Billy Lock, so Billy Lock, Liam, his, his son is captain of Bootle now and again yeah. seems to have the same sensibilities as his dad's and the same uh, loyalty. You know, yeah. he's a fantastic player as well. Oh, what a player. No one like him, Michael. Good there's player. no one like I don't know anyone. You know, there's certain players that stand out in the head over, in, over the years. And obviously, he's not an O'Leary. He's not a McFeeney or anyone like that. He's not a Leighton McGivern. But nobody can do what he does. Yeah, he's uh, he can hold the ball in midfield and not look at the ball for twenty five seconds while he's looking for the pass, and he's always got the ball at his feet, yeah. and he can go left, go right with the ball at his feet without even looking, and then pick the pass. Just a shame he played for them. Our rivals, the Blue Anchor. How was it? Yeah, he played come through playing for the Blue Anchor when when we were the Warby. Yeah, so we uh, come through as a youngster and straight away you were like, who's this kid? Yeah, he was just a little bit slight at the time, a little yeah. bit young. Yeah. But you could tell, oh, well, you play it in. Yeah. And then I think he went, did he go to McGull on that first? McGull, yeah. Rounds, yeah. Chris O'Brien took him to McGull. I think he played for McGull when he was 17. Yeah, yeah. And then when Obi came to Bootle as manager, he had some good sides, Obi as well. Yeah. You know, we had, that was the first year we yeah, were Yeah, he did, yeah. Good coach, wasn't he? Yeah. Coach. And my kind of coach, loud. And, I, I remember seeing him play. Um, and I, I think I might have said to him when he was playing, I said, You'll be a future manager of Bootle, you because he used to talk the game. Yeah. He used to talk well in the game. You know what I mean? Bring other players on with his mouth and give good instructions and, and encourage people in the right way. Yeah. And also, but also blast them in the right way. You know. Well, wasn't Bailey ever now for the Bootle manager's job? Yeah, Bailey had it. Did he? He had a Bailey first had year. I thought so. I thought yeah. so. Yeah. He brought the great youth team through. 
you know, the likes of, uh, the, you know, the likes of Craig Kelly, uh, Lee McEvely and all them. He brought them through as 18, you know, 17, 18, you know, Lee Silk, yeah. Jackie Shelley, all them, and was ready to step up and bring them up into the first team. And did, him and, him and Obi were running a seabed of a Sunday and bootle of a Saturday. And yeah. it was pretty much the same. Yeah, Queenie and all them. Yeah. yeah. All crackers, yeah. But at Carl had his business, his business um, responsibilities took over. You know, he, he was busy on the club scene, one of the yeah. five, one a couple of other places as well. Um, and I don't, th- I don't know whether it was a bit of a cuckoo in a nest with Obi as well. You could see Obi sort of pushing his chest out a little bit, saying, "Oh, I fancy this taking over here," you know. And um, and I think, I think when uh, when Bailey decided to to, to call it a day, we couldn't do any more. Obi was the natural successor then. Yeah. So what about yourself going into the management then? How, how did that come about? When, and when was that, the, the, when you first took over? It, well, uh, when I was at college, I did the college team. I was at college five years. I played and then after about the second or third year or the second year, I started picking a team then for the college team and then um, came back to Liverpool after working away for a bit. Uh, run a couple of Sunday league teams. I'm very proud to say I run a team called the C4 Socialists. Oh, There's not, not many of us about now, is there? <laughs> um, that was in the Crosby League. Got to a few cup finals. Lost to the Valen. Lost to the Valen Cup finals two years on the run. And another another there local team. Lost lost three finals on the on the run. Um, lost one semi-final to Bootle. When Tommy Fagan had Bootle's first team, he started at um, a Sunday team as well as Bootle. All right, yeah. In the, in the Crosby League. And we, got, we lost a semi-final to them. Um, but then it, it was 98-99, I think it was. Um, we were struggling. My dad was run- my dad was running. We're at Copy Lane, and we, we my dad was running the team, and he'd lost contact with the players. So I said to him, "Give us a go." You know, I'll do it. Like I remember, my first game was Bradford Bradford Park Avenue at home in the FA Cup. We got beat three two, um, and we struggled for a few years after that. You know, and I think it's it's um, famous to say that I've been sacked by my dad five times. At Bootle. <laughs> Once as reserve team manager, we played our first twelve games. It was when Young Wacker Kuski uh, and all of them were playing. Lost our first twelve games in the Liverpool County Com. He sacked me. He sacked me once as first team manager at one o'clock in the afternoon and reinstated me at six o'clock that night. Five five hours, yeah, five hours later. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I was I was working and he we were struggling and he was always saying to me, "What are we going to do? Let's get someone in who knows the players, you know." And uh, we were going to get Arthur McComiskey back. And I said to him, bring him back, Dad. I said, but I don't want to be just like, John, you're out, Arthur, you're in. I said, bring him back gradually. And I was I was in work at one o'clock. We were going away to Mosley that night. And they were, they were flying, Mosley. We were struggling. And I was working in Kirby at the time. And he said, uh, my dad was supposed to be picking me up on the bus, on the coach. Still, we had no money, but still coach travel away to the away games. Because yeah. you had to pass it. You know, yeah. it was one of the draws. So uh, he said, "All right, I'll have a word with Arthur." Then I said, "Well, I'll see you tonight. We'll talk about it tonight." He phones me at five. O'clock. He phones me now. Later, he said, uh, "I've spoke to Arthur. He's coming up tonight. He's going to pick the pick the team." I said, "So you've sacked me in in an hour, haven't?" It? And he went, "Yeah." He said, uh, "What's the arrangements for tonight?" I went, "Fuck off! I'm not telling you." <laughs> you know, he said, "I said the, the coach is booked for such and such. Here's the players, you know, so give them all the players." And he went, all right, then I went, are you, are you serious? Like, he went, yeah, I said, so you must have, you must have seen, I was looking a bit angry about it. So he phoned me back, at, oh no, when I got on the coach then, about half five, something like that, 
he said, I told Arthur to leave it for a few weeks. You're back in. <laughs> <laughs> so he sacked, he sacked him even less than five yeah, hours. Yeah. yeah, he never even got a chance. So just just before, um, so when you're in the counties and lost the ground, that squad you had together was had a great team, like Ronnie Morgan and all that, what made Bergall, yeah. Yeah. like Dean Ailey yeah. had some top players there. At Kirby, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some... some um, and we were, you know, we were, we were trying to get back up. <sighs> I always I was under the impression after reflecting on it now, perhaps I was wrong, but I was always always under the impression of us against them, and I I'm always being one against the establishment. So if the league ever made a decision, I'd go well, that's not right, you know. We've, we've, and I always thought they were trying to get us out, and they did in the end. They got us out, kicked us out the league for a, a very spurious reason, you know, when we were at Kirby. Um, but I was—I wanted us to stay in, so I, we couldn't afford it because we had no base to raise any money or anything like that. And uh, I'd brought Ronnie in and, and Terry, Gene Early, a couple of others, paying them money. And I, I heard Staffo's uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago yeah. when he said he—I mean, he was captain for me when he was seventeen. Yeah. Staffo, yeah. another one with a big heart, you know. Yeah. Um, and he was on a five of the game, Staffo. And I put Ronnie Morgan and Terry on £25 a game. And, you know, we, I had to, even when we got relegated and we got put out the league and went into the county comp, I said to Ronnie and Terry and that, stay with us and I'll keep the, I'll keep the money on. Get us back into, get, you know, get us out the county comp and back into the uh, Northwest counties. Yeah. Worst thing I ever done. Because it, it was £25 a game and £5 a goal. Ronnie and Terry would come and take the goal kicks and try and dribble through a team to fucking get the five pound to go. You know, they're all big money. But Ronnie went to Camelards then. But we had, we had some uh, we had some good players as well. Um, and then Billy Loch and uh, Mick Gilmore come in and took over then. Yeah. They brought some good players in. Um, that was while we were still in the counties. And then at the end of that season, they put us out. They put us out the counties because they, they reckon Kirby Stadium wasn't, uh, wasn't suitable. Yeah. So I took over again in the county com. Yeah, the that's when we stepped in to keep it going for a few years. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it, it was a master of that. People don't know, you know. People look at the grounds we've got at the moment and say, "Oh, where's all this money come from and all that?" When, when we're at our old grounds, that total fitness club came to us and said, "We want this site." If to the waited twelve months, I'm sure we'd have folded anyway because we were struggling. There's me, me, our father, and our Frank. God rest his soul, were running at me, brother. And uh, we would keep, we, it was hand to mouth. You know what I mean? The only asset we had was the pitch. So we'd hide it out as much as we could. So halfway through the season, it was battered. And uh, one, I remember one New Year's Eve or something, there was a, somebody set, a, set fire to one of the, the, yeah. out, the buildings. What's wrong with these people, though? I know. But we, we were ready, we'd have gone in 12 months anyway. This development company came up and said, we want to buy this ground off you. Um, and I, I, me and my fella said, don't sell them. That the council own the grounds. Let's see what they say first. Of all. Yeah. Uh, and they said either buy the grounds or we'll buy the lease. Now, depending on how long was left on the leases, depending on what kind of money you get. And to keep it all above board, the council said to them, "You can have the land, um, but the money the football club—it's called a section one hundred six—was held by the council, and it had to be used." to keep the football club going. There has to be another pitch somewhere where the football club play. Now, we were within our rights at the time to drop down the leagues, go in the third division or the sixth division of some, some league as the football club, and and that money would have just been handed over to us. But again, because of the ambition through me, Alpha, 
let's use it. Let's get match funding money off the Football Foundation, which we didn't get in the end. We had to use our own money and start building again to, to what we've got now. Yeah. What, um, so what sites were you looking at? Because we played on the Civ, didn't we? We were on the Civ <laughs> for a bit. So it was Kirby. Kirby started, then the Civ. Kirby for a couple of seasons. No, the Tockers Club, I oh, think. the Tockers, yeah. Went yeah. to the Tockers Club for a season or two. The Civ for a couple of seasons. But it, um, it, it, even, it was a different time then. No such thing as social media. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, we've talked, we've been talking about, talked before about whether Nicky Ayres was a ringer and that. Some of the things he did, he got away with playing ringers under different names and all that. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the situation at Kirby wasn't brilliant because other teams are playing on it as well. I think, who's Big Stewart with? Is he with East Villa? Uh, Big Stewart, was it? I think it's East Villa that went on it as well. Must be in East Villa or Roma. Anyway, we sh- they shared the pitch. And the Sundays were on there, the Rafa yeah. played on there, or yeah. the Ariel yeah, that's or... right, yeah. But there was a, 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 a league rule with the counties was you had to have control of your pitch. So if the counties phone you Sunday and say you've, you've got a game Wednesday night, you can't say, I'm sorry, he's filler on it. Yeah, you've yeah, got to have it. Yeah. So there's a lot of issues about it. I remember the time uh, we were playing Warrington in a, a midweek game and it was like a six o'clock kickoff because they never had the floodlights there at Kirby. And I got a phone call from John who ran... Nosley said he can't have the pitch tonight. Sorry, run, run Kirby Stadium. He said he can't have the pitch tonight. He's filling on. I'm saying we've got we've got a league. You know we'll, we'll get fined. Couldn't get put out of the league because of this. He said I'm sorry. So phone Stuart Taylor. Phone Stuart said, listen, we've got this. Sorry, can't help you. We've got a game to play. So I phoned Warrington at two o'clock in the afternoon and said we've got to call the game off because there's been a burst water main or a burst sewer and the pitch is flooded. It was it was. It was 60 degrees outside. It hadn't, it hadn't rained for four days, so I couldn't call it off because of the rain. Yeah. So I had to tell him the pitch is flooded because of this mains. And he went, all right, fair enough. If you got a referee in, and we had a couple of referees who used to ring and say, call this game off for us. I'm sure every club in the world yeah. would have done it. Yeah. Obviously, Warrington got wind of it, and they turned up at six o'clock to see the Warsaw pitch, and there's these filler playing on it. Or was it Rome? I can't remember it was. Yeah, 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 Stuart yeah, was yeah, with. No. They're playing on it. So we got blew up to the league then, and that was the thin end of the wedge to get us out. Yeah. yeah, because the first season we were in, we were in the main changing rooms. I we know, oh, sorry, the first season we were in the, the far side under the boxing club. Yeah, and then they condemned them, and we went over to the leisure centre, and we were all we were just getting changed, and fellas going in and using the gym and playing five a side and all that, and the league rules wouldn't allow that, so yeah. we, so we got put out then. So where was you, where was you looking when 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 the council basically said right? So did they say to you right? You can go and sort of find a plot, and then we'll allocate yeah. Yeah, however much to develop it or whatever. Yeah, we, we were looking at plots, and the council wanted it. You know, to the benefit. You know, to, to the great credit, the council wanted to rehome us. We looked at um, Bootle Gasworks, yeah. Mars Lane now, but it was that it was that dirty and contaminated from years of of gas pollution, and and there's tar pits on it. You could sink a house in. Yeah, it cost about five million to to clean the grounds up before we we built anything. Um, we got contacted by Everton Football Club. When Everton were, were, train, were at Littlewoods now, which is the goals yeah. on by Park Lane, we were playing at the Civ, and we were sort of the senior team at the Civ. They phoned us, and and the Civ, the Civil Service, were selling that place. You know, the, the the Home Office or whatever owned it. So there was this little triangular deal that was going to get on that where we went to Littlewoods, and Everton moved on to the Civil Service for their training for their academy grounds. Yeah, but Everton wanted half a million for Littlewoods thrown in on the deal. We only had half a million, so that we wouldn't have had a penny to build anything above yeah, ground. Yeah. We'd have yeah. just got the, 
It was great as well, Little Woods, wasn't it? It was good. The, yeah. the pitches were brilliant, the pitches but obviously that's professional upkeep, isn't it? That, that, that they can, they can spend but, but even when it was an amateur club, Little Woods Athletic, they yeah, were yeah. a good side. Yeah, they, they were very they good. They won, won the Langston Amateur Cup, I think, a couple of times. Yeah. That was always a good pitch there. Yeah, good side. So how did you sort of settle on... on well, we just we moved, we looked at a couple of other places. There's a place we looked by the railway. Um, this development company we're looking for us as well. And in the end, the council went. There's this place. It's called the Ghostly where we are now, yeah. by uh, Vesty Road. Couple. Of, it goes back to years and years. The turn of the 1900s. It used to be um, a, a quarry for clay. There's a brickworks there, and over the years they just fill the hole up. When they, we used all the clay up, just landfill, domestic waste. Yeah. So when the council tried to develop it, they can't build anything on that because of the settlements and all that. So they're just going to grass it over or put a hill on or something like that. So they said to us, do you want that? Where our dressing rooms is now is at the very edge of where you can build. We can't go any further out because of the landfill and all that. So we right, said, yeah, yeah OK, we'll, we'll move there. And it's been developed, hasn't it? The area around there as well now looks, yeah. looks great. The it? houses going up to the sides of the railway, just over, just over the road there, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's and recently as well, we've you know we, we we've got to a point now we uh, we found a, a level that we were competing well at, second in the league for a couple of years on the run, just missing out and all that, and doing quite well in some of the cup competitions. We won a senior cup a few years ago, Um it just needed the extra push. So our Joseph, you know, he's a clever lad. Our Joe gets involved with a couple of local businesses, and we've got a, a decent sponsor who's a football man himself, yeah. um, Berry Street Garages. Yeah. And he's. I was a bit sceptical at first because we've had so many carpet baggers over the years. But yeah. well, you just got to be careful, haven't you? Yeah. He, he's a football man. He's a local man. He's dead straight. You know, you can talk to him and, and, and tell him straight. And he's they've put things in themselves, Joe and, and Joe Johnson, that become become transparent and transparent. And he he wants to get the locals involved. He wants to. They've just took on a development manager to get the communities involved. Yeah. The premises are being used for, for vaccines at the moment. Yeah. I run, we run the Boot of Bucks Inclusion, the disability football setup. They give us that. They give us that at reduced rates of the morning and yeah. we're building our, our bonds with them. So it's going in the right direction. Some of the videos you posted of that's brilliant. Yeah. You can't help but just just brings a big smile to your face, doesn't yeah. it? Everyone's yeah. just having a having a laugh, getting out yeah. there in the in the fresh air and all that. It doesn't matter who you are, Michael. If if you put a footy kit on if you can't kick a ball down Sand Hills, you still see yourself as the next Michael Owen or Kevin yeah. Keegan or <laughs> Stevie Gerrard. And there's a lot of kids in the city, for whatever reason, whether it's they haven't got, the, you know, they can't kick a ball straight or the, you know, the, the, the coordination isn't good or they might have a disability, a physical or a learning disability. It might just be that the mum and dad haven't got the dough to sign them up for a, a kids' team. Yeah. Whatever, there's, there's loads of barriers. And there's a lot of kids. This is no, this is no big criticism to the local junior footy league, but I, I see adverts of, of things saying here, uh, uh, under nines team looking for players next season must have must have experience looking for a centre half and a, and a goalie look must have ex- at nine years old. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's elitist. Yeah, yeah. So we started off there with 15 kids, different ages, different abilities. Got at 140 now. Yeah. Tell us a bit about it then, John. How we, how we come about and all that, and, and well, it's, it's just me and four four, mate, four mates who follow Bootle, um, all got t- different skills. I, I'm in that industry now. Anyway, I, I work for Sefton Council running their disability um, disability children's service. Another lad, John Rice, who works in a special school, 
And then you got John Kelly, who's a football man, played for Liverpool. Um, he always blames Phil Neal for him not getting a game when Liverpool signed Phil Neal. He was moved. He, he, he's ruined about, he's ruined yeah. about five right backs, Phil Neal, because he played that long. Yeah, and give his due, you know, he won. He's had about 20 understudies. I've never seen him go on the floor for the tackle. He always, oh. His kit was always as clean coming off the pitch as it was going on. So there was Cali, who's a football man and, and very uh, enthusiastic. Lad called Gareth Ace, who's. Um, just because we've got our own particular skills and keep put out. So we said that, you know, we, we, there's there's a lack of opportunity for some kids. And a couple of mums and dads that I know through through work have said, my, my lad wants to play footy, you know, he wants to play for Barcelona. We've got one kid who seriously, seriously thinks he's going to play for Liverpool. He's got a learning disability. And he, he, he thinks he's going to play for Liverpool. And he gets a cob on. We've got another lad who is, was brilliant when Staffo was managing. We went back to Neddy for a drink. This young kid is about 19, 20. Not a bad little player, but again, you know, couldn't play in any organised team outside the disability sort of arena. He's had a couple of good weeks and scored a couple of goals in training. Actually went up to Staffel and said, I think I should play for the first team next week. I'm good, you know. That's right. And Staffel was like, that. what am I going to do, John? What am I? I said, all right, he'll come and look at you in training the next few weeks. Just keep the good work up and we'll have a, we'll have a look at it, you know. Yeah, that's it. Hope. So it's that ambition, yeah. yeah and, and we've got the, the kit and, you know, it's theirs, it's their team. Yeah. We've got 140 kids now. It's Brilliant. Great. All yeah. good start. Mm. All good start. So yeah. is it sort of, do the parents get in touch or is there like a website that the... That yeah, the, a, well, with the Facebook and there's a website, it's Bootle Books Inclusion FC. Um, it's a closed website, obviously for safeguarding reasons. But yeah. if you go on, sorry, it's a closed uh, Facebook page. But you just make a request, and we we look at it, who it is that's applying, and and we we sort of, but we train up at Bootles Ground, or when we get when the world goes back to normal, we train at Bootles Ground every Saturday morning. They come, they play footy, they get dirty, they get wet, they'll have a bacon butty when they finish. They talk about footy, and then a lot of them stay and watch Bootle Then can I sign up? You can, mate. You'd, you'd, you'd get a game because of your hands, wouldn't you? Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> the referee. <laughs> <laughs> because of, well, just, just me knees. I just want to play some footy where you don't have to run. But <laughs> even at the coaches, we've got we've got there. Uh, I remember Paul Orr talking about, when you were asking him about um, good editors of the ball, and he mentioned a fellow called Dave Pennell, who yeah. played for Bootle. His yeah. lad, Dave, who played for Bootle as well, he was a great player, Dave. He was a tramway for a bit. Um, he came up and volunteered. Oh, we were, sorry, we were sponsored by EMR, the Metal Recycling. They've been fantastic with us. And he worked for them. And because he'd got his level one, the managing director of EMR wanted to put a bit. He said, I'll pay you, said to Penno, I'll pay, instead of coming to work Saturdays, go and coach the kids. Now he's moved on now, but he still comes and coaches. Yeah, great. We've got volunteers that have all got level one, some going on to level two coaching now. Parents have become coaches. But the parents themselves have got a good little network group. We're yeah, starting to imagine, have, yeah. kid. Yeah. you know, imagine being a, a, the mother or a father of a, a five-year-old, and you've always looked at him thinking, "There's something not quite right. He's not doing the things that other kids will be doing." And then he gets diagnosed with autism, yeah. and you start thinking, "What's he going to do?" And it's 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 all the sky's falling in. You come to Bootle Books, and you've got Mary over the corner whose son's now sixteen, who's exactly the same as your son when he was five. Go and talk to her. Yeah. Find out what the best things to do. Find out about what their journey was. It's just that good support. Yeah, brilliant. So, so, sort of like supporting numbers and and for the community. Yeah, brilliant. And it's it's a club. It's a proper meaning of a club. Brilliant. So, we have to. I know a lot of this we we spoke about your dad, but any any. Funny tales of it. I mean, he used to he used to give us hell. Some <laughs> on the on the sieve 
by that container in the corner and you yeah. come off if you didn't win he'd be yeah. like fucking shite I used to laugh I used to laugh my head off still does it do you know Basha Porter you know Graham yeah, Basha, Porter yeah. Yeah. Played, played a good stand now Basha was went to Leeds as a kid yeah he was on the pitch only getting signed on the, the pitch, pitch at that. half time I think it was the year doing the Champions League one at David O'Leary brought the chair on and the table and signed him the next big you know yeah. played for Booth six seasons later you know um, many have done that way but Bassett again, heart and soul in the club. When we were doing, um, when we were doing the ground up, he had a, he's got a tarmacking and a flagging. He'd come up and do it, for, he'd come up and do it for a price. Known quite well, my dad would give him a rubber check, something like that, you know. Yeah. And he'd have to chase him for the next six months. But uh, he said only a couple of weeks ago this was, um, I Joseph witnessed it, and he, he walked past me, I fell at Basher, and he went, "All right, Frank." And he went, "All right, Bash." And as he walked past, he shouted to him. He went past. He went, "Basher," he said. "Well," he said. What a waste of time as a football you are, kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, thanks, Frank. You know, salty, yeah, brilliant, yeah. brilliant. No, but just it, but even as even as his, you know, Harold Hughes, he's had a couple of run-ins with Harold. Yeah, yeah, I bet he has. It's just yeah. the way the yeah. way it is, isn't it? Remember the time we were um, Harold's had the crocky to the, his yeah, Sunday yeah, team, yeah. and we were playing Eden Vale in the National Cup or the Premier Cup. It was all grounds, and it was when we had. Bootle and the Vale had similar players, you know, they, they play for the, us on a Saturday and the Vale on a Sunday. Bobby Owens, Jerry Jones, Jazza Speed, had a sweet left foot, he was great, Jazza. Vinnie McGrady, Peter McComiskey, um, Terry, Terry Cullen might have even been in goal. Probably a couple of others as well. And uh, Bootle, uh, Eden Vale were 3-0 up at half-time. Bobby Owens had, has ran a mock down the right, scored two, made one. And as they're walking off the pitch to go into the our clubhouse at half time, Harold runs on and kicks Bobby. Kicks Bobby <laughs> old. Tactics. <laughs> Get him in the warm up here. And it does a bit of a. But because it's Harold, nobody says anything, does he? So he goes in the dressing room and all that. And my dad didn't see it. Somebody told me that. He went, what? And don't forget, he's got nothing to do with the veil. Well, what, what did he do? Burst into the dressing room at half time and had Harold by the throat. You fucking touch one of my players again. All right, Frank, you know, and then he ended up cordially and all that, but that's the way he was. Yeah, brilliant. Only about six, seven seasons ago, he was trying to climb over the fence of Bootle to get onto one of their players. <laughs> I just pictured him in his, in his little deck chair, on it, and he'd sit in. Was it Ben? Was it was Ben? It ben, ben yeah. Roberts. Ben Roberts, yeah, brilliant. They, they, they were like chalk and cheese. Ben was that that nice, and your dad would say, "Yeah, you need to book your ideas up here. Got that crest on your shirt. Get yeah. get yeah. your act together, will you?" Well, do you remember the time at the Civ with Ben Robertson and um, I don't know whether I should have mentioned his name, but we played um, and we played the team. That wasn't it was uh, Rose Seaford. Seaford, yeah. And uh, a certain James Taylor was playing for uh, Seaford. Oh, Pan- she, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, we were we were struggling, and we brought Lee Amel brought this right back up. And he said, he's not bad, John, but he'll do a job for us, you know. And it was a nothing game. I think we we got beat 1-0 or something like that. About 10 or 15 minutes to go, they throw a sub on. A couple of minutes later, he goes through with our goalie and catches him. Not not vicious, but goes in, you know, and catches him. Referee gives a foul, never even gets booked for it, gets up and starts jogging back. And as he jogs back, this this centre, uh, this fullback that Lee Hamill had brought up, he just mentioned to him, he went, bit arse that lad, a bit over the top, you know, and he was, oh yeah, all right. Final whistle goes, and this fella, this sub comes over, bang, and puts one right on his chin, on the centre of his chin, and he gets off. We all run on the pitch, and one of their players, it's Al Ben. Al Ben must have been 70-odd at the time. 
sort of, it was those murder and everyone was going, oh, what? Anyway, he'd gone into the dressing room and just got off because, you know, but I soft ass me, where is he? Where is he? And then manager come out, John, John, just back it, leave it, leave it. I was going, no, where is he? Where is he? he said, he's gone. It doesn't matter. And then when I found out later who it was, I went, oh, Jesus Christ. Ben, you're on your own, lad. <laughs> <laughs> ben, you're out of order. You're 70 odd or not. You're out of order. Fine, Ben. Yeah, fine, Ben. <laughs> well, that's it. Just some of the stuff that goes with, goes with the game, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I've had some crackers, didn't he? And, and I bet you're there. Bet you're a few of the officials have, have got it over the years on, on opposing teams and, uh, yeah. and managers. Well, top. Top notch, me top notch. Yeah, right, so should we go on to me, um, me little feature on trying to build a, a perfect, yeah, yeah, amateur footballer. So I always start with the left foot. Who had who had the best left peg that you'd played with, against, or managed, or watched over the years? Well, I remember. I agree with you. You're saying on on a couple of podcasts back. A left peg always stands out, don't they? Even yeah. if they're only if they're only as good as the fellow with the right peg, they've always the right peg. There's always something special about it. They stand out even more. You know what I mean? And over the years, there's been always that Jazz of Speed who I spoke about who played for uh, the Vale and Bootle. He was strong, and it, there was always this. There was this saying that my father used to say: when you know, when when he stri- a left peg strikes a ball, when they hit, when it's hit, it stays hit. Yeah. It just travel. It seems to travel a lot longer, a lot better, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, there was a young lad who played for, come through our youth team, where um, Alan Hardwick's team, going back 10 years now, played for the first team, he's played for City of Liverpool and all that. A lad called Sean Harris, yeah. who was left back, and he could he could strike a ball, you know. If, if anywhere around the 18 year old box, and did, you know, lift the net off the, off the hooks sometimes, yeah. he was a good left peg. Another bootle player, full back Paul Byrne, yeah. who not just was a good left peg, but can see, you know, you can see all he wants is the ball. All he can see is the ball. He knows the fullback. Yeah. And he goes ratting and he just goes and gets that ball. Doesn't see anything else, just gets the ball and then plays it well. But probably in recent times, the best I've seen is Mikey Ordish. Yeah. Again, you know, a booter player had a great um, boiled career and all that. Went to Celtic, went on tour with the, with the Celtic first team, I think, a couple of times. But he was, he was the same. His left peg, he could put it on a, on a sixpence anyway. Yeah. Strike a good free kick, put a good ball in. Um, so all my memories are from 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 uh, from modern. But I remember back even the, back in the Langton days, there was a fellow called Jimmy Keelan, who was a winger, a little stocky winger, a bit like a Sakiri, sort of his kind, his yeah. shape and big. And he was, but he was the same. He'd go down, and no matter where he was, it was just head down and cross the ball, head down and cross the ball. Yeah, great um, win. Yeah. What about the right footers then? McFeeney was brilliant. Yeah, McFeeney. He played for Bootle and uh, he obviously he was at the, with the Doms for a bit. Um, there was a fella called uh, Mark Roberts, Ben Roberts' son. Yeah, yeah. Who could? Who, you know, we had a great, like, great dribbler. There was two brothers. We had one, one the centre half. Yeah. One was a winger. One, Michael, he was, yeah. one yeah. was fast as anything. Yeah, he was quick, and he, he's he's similar to a couple of players that are that are noticed now who. Can go past players with ease, can put a decent cross in, but can't pass a ball ten yards. Can't and you, and the reason why they can go past players easy is they don't know what the fuck to do with it until <laughs> they get to that byline and put it, put the cross in. Yeah, yeah. So Mark was good with it, with his right foot. Um, young Ocho Paul Oxen, Oxen 
lovely technique, didn't yeah. he? Good player, but there's so there's so many of them over the years. Yeah. What about touch? Not the best touch. Feeney again. I look at Feeney. What was he like? What what type of player? What type of player was he? he? Again, he was very similar to O'Leary. He, he not a great deal of pace. Very even very quiet. He was quietly spoken. You know, he wouldn't be like uh, screaming on the pitch or nothing like that. But you'd you'd know he'd go up he'd go up to one of our players. And standing over a free kick, and he just have a little quiet word in his ear, and you know, nothing that they'd done in the training ground, but he'd get it, and the kid would be, you know, he'd put him in for a, for a quick touch and all that. But he was no pace about him, so he used to sit fellas down just with his body shape, yeah, or a little feint here or there, or drop his drop his shoulder, um, and he scored some outlandish goals as well, scored them from anywhere, yeah. So, so you got the uh, you going for him for the for the touch, probably, and the, probably, yeah. yeah. What about skill then? Dribblers or skill? Yeah, um, Mark Roberts was good skillfully, skillful wise. Um, there's a fellow called Ray Birch, yeah, um, who was with the uh, was with the Saltbox and the Red Line and all them of Sunday with David Parker. He was he was very skillful. Again, wouldn't not not as a skillful dribbler, but very. He was one of them fellas where he'd, he'd say, "When you get the ball, just give it to me." I won't give it away, and he wouldn't. And he'd, he'd link play, he'd play the little five yard balls, you know, and, and get get people going. But he, his skill was reading the game. Fella called it from the same sort of era as well. Fella called Zabba Bennett, Paul Bennett, only little fella, but he's a good. He had a good left foot as well. I'd put him with with the left footers as well. Yeah, he was skillful. Um, so many. There was a fella called Mike Newton, Mick Newton, who played for me for um, Seaford Socialists, and I called him Flowery. Because he was, you know, he he'd, he'd be skillful, but he'd, he'd do the little step over before anyone else was doing step overs, or a lovely little touch or a little back heel. If you're playing a veil on a bog at Buckley, Buckley Hill on a Sunday morning when it's blowing a gale, yeah. you want someone who's going to throw a tackle in. And you're going to try and take the pace, they're going to lift you. Yeah. Know, I dropped him for a final, Mick. And I, I, I shouldn't have done, you know, it was one of them afterwards. I dropped him for a final against the veil at Bootle. I put a lad called Peter McCulloch in, who's a bit a little bit stronger. And I said to Mick then, he said to me, well, you know, why aren't I playing? I said, you're too flowery, Mick. You're too flowery for this type of game. But he'd, he'd have probably been able to unlock unlock the defence, you know, yeah. and, and get us the win. Oh, he was well. a good, skillful player. We all make mistakes, mate. Yeah. What about Edna of the ball then? Edna, Edna ability? Probably going back to a couple of the... Although, I mean, it's been mentioned on here before, Jamie A. Jamie A yeah. can head the ball. But I remember Steve Jacko. Steve Jackson, yeah, uh, played for Bootle, managed Bootle for a, for a time. Played for the, the likes of when he was younger. Played in the in the amateur league for um for the Brunswick and the Merton Villa of a sun, Saturday and Sunday. I think I don't know. Paul O mentioned them as well as a great head of the balls. One of them fellas, he had he had a forehead the size of a mini windscreen. You know what I mean? <laughs> and if he went up, he knew you always knew he was going to connect with the ball and he, he could edit 60 yards. Yeah. There's another fellow called uh, Tony Cullen. Uh, Tony Connor. Sorry, Tony Connor. Played for Bootle mid to late 80s. Played with, um, in the McFeeney Owen Brown era. Um, he, he was a great head of the ball. And the thing about Tony, I think he was a heightened lad. He had severe... Um, Seizures, so we had epileptic fits. Oh, right. And we knew about this, but what he'd said, you know, because I think I think my dad was managing the time. No, Arthur was managing the time, and I was on the bookers. Arthur Mac was manager, and he said to us, "If I'm having a fit," he said, 
I'll get a sign. He said, I'll get my hand tightens up or something like that. He said, I'll just walk off the pit and I'll lie down. Just leave me. You don't have to come up. And he said, I've, I've had that many. been having them since a kid. I just come out of them myself. And we were at Fleetwood one day. And uh, he, he, he signalled over. He went, I'm just going off for a bit. And he just walked off the pitch behind our goal and lay on the floor and was convulsing on the floor for about two or three minutes. And all that, you know, Fleetwood liked it. Yeah, yeah. Eight scousers, absolutely hate scousers. And because I'd had a little bit of history there, I knew one or two of the half fellas there. But it said, I just walked around with the bucket because he'd said, just leave me. So I just stood next to him with the bucket watching the match. Yeah. <laughs> and they were all going, hey, are you going to sort? Are you going to sort him out? Are you going to see to him? Are you going to see to him? And I just, you know, I had to grin and bear it. Like, anyway, come to after a couple of minutes. Went back on. Mad. He was tired and he, he never stayed on for much longer. We had to take him off. But he, he was a great editor of the ball. Yeah. Um, again, Jacko. But there's, there's been a few. Uh, Jamie has been great. Heading the ball, but it is all round play as well, Jamie. Um, you know, we used to he used to referee a game as well. Jamie. <laughs> you know, we talk you through it, he'd give you good instructions. Whereas you get a lot of fellas who'd go, you know, all blood, blood and guts, and come on, lads, and like, you get into the minute. He'd he'd give fellas instructions, good instructions, yeah. you know, and he'd bring, yeah. yeah, he'd bring fellas on around him as well. Yeah, who was the quickest? Blackie was quick, Kevin Black. Yeah, lightning him. Fowler was quick. Yeah. Andy Fowler over 10 or 15 yards, you know, when he that was always giving the advantage to get behind the uh, defender. Your mate you were talking about before, Wisey, Paul Wiseman. Wiseman, yeah. He, was, he, he would catch pigeons in. Yeah, he was lightning. Wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, but Blackie was one. And Blackie was always funny for, for Bootle because he'd always, first half of every game, he'd... he'd He'd, he'd be a fantastic winger and make loads of you know opportunities for us and get down the line. Second half, he'd, he'd just sit on the halfway line all the time and defend more than it. And it wasn't just because we were defending a 1-0 or a 2-0. We could have been chasing the game, but we'd find him sitting on the halfway line all the time. He's, he was funny, Blackie. Yeah. But Blackie, again, a good good friend of mine, he, um, he started the first inclusion footy team going back 10 or 15 years and we, we go to Belfast every year to, to play in a big tournament the George Best Disability Tournament and me and Blackie took a team over there 10 years ago we had a, we had a ball it was brilliant yeah, so he was a good lad Blackie what about strength strongest like physically um, I think physically and mentally John King yeah John he was there when I was there yeah still going yeah and you know one of them fellas who he could add a ball, couldn't he? He could add a ball, yeah. 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 He'd add a, 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 a bowling ball in yeah. if it meant, uh, if it meant winning, a, winning a header. But he was, you know, John, and John was one of them where he'd come back to Bootle. He played for a bit and then when, I think when my dad never, my dad left and brought someone else and he, he didn't fancy it. Oh, didn't, Arthur didn't fancy Kingy. That's what it was. Arthur Mack didn't fancy him. When I took over, he'd come back and he's just a typical Bootle. No matter where we were in the league, no matter what was going on, he turned up, he did his job, he brought players on, he'd play any position for you, centre-half, centre-mid, centre-forward, right-mid, anywhere, and he'd go through a brick wall for you. Yeah, yeah, he was good. His legs were coming to the end when, when we were there. Yeah. But he, but he could tell he knew his way down the pitch, and, it, and yeah. it was important that he that he was playing. Yeah, and he's, he still played for a few years after that, because yeah. he, he, he ran the wall, wall, wall be on a Saturday. Yeah, the Saturday wall break, yeah. And he, yeah. Was, he had a good team, good, yeah. successful team as well. Yeah. What about who was the the fittest kept himself in the best nick? Chris Tyson probably. Yeah, he's an animal, isn't he? Just a machine. He's a bit of a freak, isn't he? That's, that's, nice. what, I, that's what I mean. I don't think 
I've known him for 10 years, 15 years. I think I've said three words. Or I've, I think he said three words to me. Yeah. Um, and there's a lad now at Bootle there, Carl Pierce. Yeah, yeah. Great player. Another fella who who got all the attributes, can strike a ball, sees a goal. He's one of them He's one of them players as well. I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning this. That if we're 5-0 up and he misses a shot, his arms are in the air. Or he doesn't get a pass if he's through and he doesn't get the pass. His arms are in the air as always Jesus Christ yeah. on the cross. What's going on? What's going on? But he keeps himself fit as well. He's very fit. Yeah. What about keepers over the years then? Seeing some crackers even. I, I can't, you know, I go back to Kevin McMullen in the old Langton days and Dickie Day. I shouldn't include them because I, I was young, too young really to appreciate what a, a good keeper was. But they always, I always remember Kevin being very agile. And they stick out because they never had gloves on. You'd see them, you know, yeah. playing in goal. But nowadays, the pad, they're like Kenny Everett gloves now, aren't they? Yeah, but they, 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 but um, Federer mentioned before, Terry Cullen. Yeah. Played for Bootle, played for the Vern, and I think he played for a couple of other Sunday League clubs. Um, bit of a Tommy Lawrence, you know, we'd be the first to admit. Perhaps he's had too many uh, pork pies, but great agility, great shot stopper, could come and pick a cross, although he wasn't the tallest guy. He wasn't, you know, he was only six foot probably. But you come and pick across, no problem. Yeah. And then there's always Arkel as well, Tony Arkel Malloy. Yeah. Um, I think he was one of the first. He's not the only one now, but he was the first, I think, to represent Bootle at cricket and football. Oh, decent. At, at a, at, you know, at that proper standards. I know Cobain played for Bootle in a couple of friendlies, I think, Ian Cobain a few years ago. But yeah. Arkel was the same, but a character in the character as well. Yeah. It was the, you were the, you were the characters, the funny ones, the mad, the mads. The mad ones who uh, had every, everyone in stitches. Arkel was funny for the little one-liners. Uh, Carl Dale, who, who Staffel's meant, is an absolute lunatic. You know, <laughs> you'd be if Carl Dale went got taken off substitute or was sent off and walked to the dressing room before the game was finished, everyone would be looking at each other going, "What's, what's he going to do? What, what's he going to be up to here?" You know, and so he was funny as well, but funny on the pitch as well. Um, Mick Gilmore was funny. He was a good and, and put Mick Gilmore as a, a little quality about him, which made him a good coach. He was one of them fellas where you wanted to be his mate as well, and sometimes you thought he was his mate, but then he just put his arm with a, with a quick quip or something like that or a comment, and you go, "Oh, fucking bastard!" I thought, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's a smarmy bastard, him, you know. And put a, he was he was he was funny as well around his dressing room. Any any funny tales from from any of the aways or anything like that from but over the over the years? The one you said or the one that um. Staffos, did you say it about Jamie eh? when we were at Edge Hill? Yeah, when he, when he it was your when, first when game. He was on the Stella, yeah. Yeah, but he, he turns up. I always got a bottle, of, a, a case of Stella or a case of ale for, for the players after the game. He turns up pissed. And when I saw him pissed, I went, he's not. And he walked in the dressing room and took the bottle out and opened the bottle before the kickoff. And I went, the fuck are you doing? Put that back in fucking... And he got a bit of a cop on then. And then it, got, it was worse when I dropped John Carrey to play you. And do you remember what happened that day? John Carrey and Jamie, it was a sunny day up at Edge Hill. They went up behind a goal somewhere. I think Jamie got his head down. He was still blooded. <laughs> and it was the day James broke his leg at Blackburn. Oh, right, was it? Yeah, yeah. Who was it? Was it the, was yeah, Lucas Neal. Lucas Neal broke his leg at Blackburn, yeah. and that was the day because there was commentary coming through. Somebody had the radio, well, there's something coming to know the, 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 the phones then. And it, James broke his leg at, uh, no way. at Blackburn. I, I remember in that game uh, how close their line was, and Neil Robbo, Neil Robbo with this lad on the, the byline, 
and it just careered through like all the bottles, all the tables, all the chairs. Everything just went up, and, and they were like, <sighs> and I just remember thinking, <laughs> "Don't give him a chance to nail you." Rob O'Neill, absolutely clean your house. You know what I mean? Birchfield, that was wasn't it? Birchfield, that yeah. was the yeah. team. Yeah, they were good then, weren't they? Birchfield, yeah, a fella called Terry Kelly um, ran them, and me and him ran the Liverpool County Commute team for a couple of years. Representative yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. We won the uh, we won that cup a couple of years. But another funny one was there. Uh, one of the times me, our fella tried to sack me. We had the likes of Stevie Cairns and Dave Billows and a few of them had come in. It was before your time, I think. He was struggling. And um there was this 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 Stevie Cairns said, There's a fella over the water there, Steve Murphy. He was assistant manager at Camelades. He said, Give him a chance, he's got some decent players there, you know. Chris McGinn and a couple of others, John Wrigley and all that. So I said, well, I don't want to hand the reins over to him. But as I said to me, I thought I'd bring him in as my assistant for six weeks and see how he goes and I'll step back then. Okay, fair enough. First game away at Clitheroe, they're flying. I've got a 52-seater coach at Copy Lane waiting to go up to Clitheroe. Eight players on it, eight or nine players on it, something like that, including myself. Three committee member, a dog or a bucket, yeah. something like that. And I'm waiting for this Steve Murphy. He was bringing five players over from, um, from the Whittle. On the phone, so where are you? I'm on my way. I'm just picking so and so up, just picking. So-and-so. I said, Well, we'll have to get off. He said, Well, you go. He said, I'll, I'll follow you in the car. I'll, you know, follow you on the coach. So, all the way up there, who have you got? He said, Well, I've, I've got Chris McGinn now. He said, I'm just going for so and so. And I'll catch us up, gets to the ground, no sign of him. We had 11, including me. So, we and what and sorry, including Mick Roberts as well. Yeah, it, it was his first ever game. He only came to watch because there Mark was playing and his half fellow was assistant manager. Got a pair of boots for him, put them on centre-half. 20 minutes in, here's this Steve Murphy, Murphy walking into the ground on his own with a pair of boots under his arm. And he says, I said, where are they? He said, oh, I couldn't find him. I said, you said you had McGinn in the car with you. He'd done it on purpose to, so I could get get sacked and he could take over. <laughs> anyway, Mick Roberts... With Cloak four, and Zagger gear, that yeah, like Julius Caesar gear. It's two, Stephen. <laughs> 20 minutes in, we're 4-0 down. Mick Roberts' first ever game, he's just like a rabbit in the headlights. He feigns an injury to go off, and this Steve Murphy comes on. Anyway, we, we get to beat 6-0. But on that day, they did a man of the match at the end of every... And it was all, all the woolly backs. They, like, they don't like praising the Scousers that much. But there's a fella, Paul MacDonald, sadly no longer with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one of those talents who should have played at a far heavily. One of the best I've seen. In fact, should have included him in 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 me perfect amateur footballer, except for his. Uh, well, we haven't it, finished yet. All right, he, but he's like Jamie. Eh? If he went to a funeral on Tuesday, you wouldn't see him on Saturday. He'd be still on us. If there's a funeral on Marsh Lane on a Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday, Jamie yeah. count Jamie out. Paul's the same in the Vale, and Paul on that day against Clitheroe just ran amok, hit the bar twice. He was played right wing. He, t- he took the, the full back on a couple of times and, and gave it the older, put his foot on the ball and let him catch up again and give him another chance and all that. Just taking a piss. He was absolutely brilliant. Played with a smile and I was you know, laughing, taking yeah. a piss out of him. Their dug out were laughing at me, but he was so brilliant. They, they won 6 0. One of their lads scored a hat trick. They gave him man of the match. No way. Yeah, that's how good <laughs> he was that day. Brilliant. Brilliant. What about then leadership? The leaders. Captains, managers, players. Yeah, Kingy again. Kingy by example, I think. John King. Um, Mick Gilmore was a great leader. Billy Locke was a great leader. Um, 
I even see Liam Lock now in a, in a different quiet kind of way. It's it's good when you can see when you when you hear things as a spectator, you hear a captain giving instructions out that you think, oh no, that's right. That I remember the time we were playing um, AFC Liverpool. Uh, yeah, AFC when they just started and they had four or five hundred following them. Yeah, yeah. They're another team that were going to fly through the leagues. Boxing Day, I think Derby. The four one down with ten minutes to go. Gets one back four two. And then just as the kickoff, ten minutes ago, Lockie stops, turns through the mall and says, Keep passing the ball and we'll win this. And we beat them five four. And it was just that, just that simple instruction yeah. to, to to give out. You know, not come on, lads, we're still in this one. Just pass the ball, he said. Just keep passing the ball to each other and we'll win it. And yeah. we, we, He's we, one of them, Liam, that's like leads by example, doesn't he? Yeah. By, by, by how he plays and what he does. Doesn't have to be a, a screamer yeah. or, or yeah. a shelter. But even, even going back to the likes of Owen Brown was a great leader. Great, you know, with Owen Brown would take, he would make, make Arthur's job a lot easier. He'd be the manager on the pitch. Even though he wasn't captain at times, he'd be the manager on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. He'd have a word with fellas. He'd make sure fellas were turning up at training. Uh, and, you know, he 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 was a good leader on him. Good yeah. fella. Next, similar, but attitude, that attitude to the game, you, you, you know, you could, you could rely on no matter what. I don't want to mention John King too many times, but again, John King, um, over the years, you know, you look at going back to the, going back to the 70s and the 80s, Peter Kumuski, Wacker Kumuski, who yeah. played for the Vale as well. What a fantastic attitude toward playing footy. A fellow called Jerry Jones, the bull. Um, I think he played for me dad when he was 18. Yeah. Jerry, he was 50 or 50 odd. He's older than me, he must be 60 odd. And um, would play anywhere for you and run through a brick brick wall for you, and you know would play would 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 frighten centre halves, but then be the first to shake their hands at the end of the game. Or, or he, he played the game for the right reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and some of the some people just live for it, don't they? Yeah. It's like can't can't wait to get to can't wait to get to footy and, and yeah. And it's that it's it's the passion and the tribalism that it brings out in you for ninety minutes. We're all we're all cavemen at heart. It's yeah. that tribalism it, it comes out. You know what? You, nobody's going to get the best out of me. I'm going to beat you today and all this. And then at the end of ninety minutes, you go and shake hands. You know, there was like there's a fella called I I, I think back to the um, Barrett's. Remember Barrett's of a Saturday? Yeah, yeah. So another lad I missed out for his good editor, um Oster Morgan, Ronnie's Kai Morgan's brother. Right, yeah. Ronnie, Rocket Ronnie's uncle. Yeah. Again, Oster's sadly no longer with us. Wasn't a tall fella, but could rise and hang in the air and win a header. He would read the game. He was quick. You know, he was, he was another good player. But looking at them, the, the Barrett's, the old, they turned up. Fella called Bobby Bolden, a good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. Lacked in, lacked in speed and all. No, not that Bobby Boardman. This another. Bobby. Oh, another one. Yeah, uh, he's, he's the two. Yeah, <laughs> but Bobby was um, play for. He's my age, Bobby. Sixty now. He's he's uh, he played for the Barrett's. Should have made it as a player, but lacked a little bit of pace when he played for Sefton when they were fifteen, sixteen. He had a good side. That's why I mentioned Mark Aitley. Mark Aitley was centre forward. Bobby centre mid, and he ran right every game. And I think I remember seeing, and and he showed me the the, the paper cutting. They beat someone six nil, and it's Bobby Boardman scored five. Mark Haitley added the sixth, and it was Haitley that got signed up. Yeah, you know at school. What school did he go to? St Wilfrid's. Oh, oh no, the... sorry, Haitley was in up in Formby. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. this would be one of the Formby the Formby schools there. Bobby was at St Wilfrid's. They had a good side then. 
um, throughout school. But he was he played for the Barrett and his attitude, pinpoint pass, would tackle strong. Lacked, as I say, a little lacked a little bit of pace. But they were a good side then. Um, Kai Morgan, Kai Morgan, Bill Kenny, old Billy Kenny, yeah, all played for them. Good mate of Michael Brian Orr as well. Little rattle front Stevie Rafferty. He was, he was he was like he liked leaving a foot in here and there. Yeah, you know he was there. Yeah. yeah. Leading on to the next one, then the dirtiest. Well, I might throw him, Raffo. I might throw him in. <laughs> Certainly, Carl Dale as well. He, I seen him throw a tackle at, I think it was a Chatterton or, or Oldham Town. And I think if I would have been the opposition manager, I'd have, been, I'd have had him by the throat on the pitch. It was thigh, thigh high studs. It was horrible. No, it was horrible. But I always thought, I always, I, and forgive me for saying this, but the likes of the players that I, Thought with the dirtiest, they probably weren't. It was just that I wanted them to play for me. Lee Battle, yeah, yeah. yeah. I always thought you dirty, horrible. but he probably <laughs> wasn't. It was just as he was a good player, and he was annoying. And I wanted him to come and play for us. But it, you know, I always thought he was dirty. You mentioned John Coleman before. I seen him when he was at Basco. He was horrible. Yeah. I remember we we nearly. I was watching. He was on the pitch. He scored two against us, but he was horrible. But he probably wasn't dirty. We just at gamesmanship, he just got the better of the, you know, the better yeah. out of the game. And you just remember it because he'd, he'd done the damage. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to waste him because he was a dirty player, but I just hated him probably because he's scoring goals against us. Yeah. But that's oxides at the time. And yeah, when we came back into the county comp, with Lee Battle, Anthony Battle, John Dernan played a few games for them. The Londons, uh, John Shorty, I think, was just finishing. Yeah, it was Edgar, Frankie Strode, and all them. Frankie yeah. Strode had just finished as well, I think. But it was the it was the lad who's doing all the soccer school in Liverpool now. Damien, someone, the Damien, McDonald's. Oh, Kieran. Kieran, he was a nice yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> what a good player he was Kieran as well. Mark, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great player. Great player. That's a good side. The doctor, didn't he as well. Yeah. So, what's probably what's the best goal you've seen or been involved in over the years? Probably mine against South Liverpool when we did too well. Yours, <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's probably my worst goal I've ever scored. That to be honest, but with, with some of the best. Well, I'd say it was my best. Then. <laughs> yeah. um, I've seen a few, honestly. Obviously, um, I've seen Carl Pierce strike a few crackers. I've seen Fowler hit a few at angles that have burst the net. Um, again, I, I, I do remember seeing John O'Leary leaving two or three fellas stranded at the old old Bucks Park. And just passed it into that, like Jimmy Greaves. Um, but I think one that really stands out was uh, against when we were playing at, at um, Bucks Park. I think it was a team, we were playing in the FA Vars or the FA Cup, and we'd got, we, we were having a good run playing a team called Shep Shed Charterhouse or something like that. They were from down oh, south. Easy for you to say. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah, with a mouthful of celery. Um, from Surrey, something like that. And they came, they were a good side, and uh, we, we, Get beat four three in the last minute, and a fellow called Dave Renshaw, yeah, um, picked it up from about thirty five yards out and just hit it on the sort of half volley, but controlled. You know, if you hit it on a half volley from that far out, it, it could go anywhere, but it was controlled. You know, so the outside of his foot, half volley, fucking finished. You know, it was the fellow that scored against Liverpool a few weeks ago for um, the Spurs, was it? When we beat them, and it was a sort of it might not have been against Liverpool. And it was it was the way the shot from behind when he hit it was just a perfect body shape. Well, it was yeah, just yeah. the body shape the way he hit it and just flew into the top corner. We got the draw for all, and we had to go down there. We had to go to Surrey midweek. How much I did think, that cost? Oh, I can't remember. I don't know what that. But I know the the coach journey back was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I think we got beat one 0 down there, or two one. 
But uh, the, the coach journey back was fantastic. Yeah. Right. Wasn't the ser- there wasn't a service station shelf full <laughs> left intact. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even do the uh, didn't even do them donuts then back in them days. <laughs> no, crispy cream, no. Crispy cremes are the uh, the I don't know the the five finger discount of choice for the <laughs> yeah. uh, for travelling coaches from yeah. from. But and a funny one, Michael, is again a track when when Obi had the team. If you're going back to the art, probably have you said the hardest player yet? Or, or well, art, art yeah. tackling yeah, and yeah. um. Obi asked me to go and have a look for the centre forward. We were lacking a big, strong centre forward. And he said, go and have a look around. So I went over to, I went to Buckley Hill because I was only living over the road. And the uh, the Red Line or whatever they were called at the time were playing a team in the Premier Cup, Sunday Premier Cup. And they were in bright orange, this team. And I could see them from as soon as I walked on. So I'll go and have a look at them. And they've got a, a centre forward, mixed race lads. And he's putting himself about. And I thought, he looks half decent, him, and he's leaning on fellas, and he scores a goal, a bit of a scrappy goal, and then he struck one from about 25 yards, hit the bar, and went over, and went, he looks, he looks good instruction, you know, and, and so he says to the fella on the line, who's that over there, mate, who's the number nine? And he went, why, you know, who, 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 who you like, who do you want to know? I said, John Zoran from Putland, we're looking for a big centre forward, you know, and he went, I'm better than him, you know, he said, I, you know, I'm injured at the moment, he was the manager, and I went, have a word with him. You know, introduced me at the end. He went, you won't get him for another six weeks, mate. I said, why? He said, that's Tony Bellew. He's got a fight in six weeks. <laughs> six weeks. And then when I looked at it, he, he had Bomber Productions. He'd sponsored the team. I can't remember the team. Whatever the alehouse was that he used to drink in. Yeah, yeah. And it was Tony wave, Bellew. Wave before, he was, before he was world champion, obviously, I'm going, well, Obi was 2000 and probably 10, 12 years ago. Well, you wouldn't think that one machine. I want soccer AM the other week. Well, he, he, fell over, he fell over about yeah. three times. His knees must have yeah, gone. Just don't tell him in case he feels bad. Yeah. Um, what was the hardest away fixture? Where, where where did you go with no joy, or where was just the horriblest place to go? And all you said Fleetwood seems to eat the scouts. Fleetwood is horrible. Anywhere, anywhere you go out of town with, with Bootle, the dock at the Dockers Club was always a hard game. Yeah, obviously, and they were the best at it. Do the best at the football. But they were the best at that game play as well, which is you know yeah. it was just good. Everyone needs that. But wherever you go, we always end, we used to go to Darwin with Bootle, and you guarantee every single game would have at least one cent off, and it was usually our left back because we'd kick off whether it was a Saturday or a midweek. You'd kick off, and you'd always end up because you know, the teams like to kick a certain way. We'd be kicking in the second half, and our left back would be right in front of their clubhouse. And they'd all, they'd all come out all like, yeah, you know, songs up and all that. And there's a, I can remember a few over the years who, who have been sent, but that, that, that was always a, a tough trip or a horrible trip to have one. Um, but wherever you go out of town, they all love to hate the Scousers when you're playing footy. But then at the end of the game, they want to be your mate then. They want to come over and talk to you and all that. Well, mo- most of them do. Yeah. There's one or two. We went to, um, in the FA Vars a few years ago, over to Yorkshire. I remember the team in a minute. It was a close game. And I take a couple of disabled lads with me. One of them, Sam, he's got Down syndrome, 27. It's all there, like. Um, but he fancies himself as a bit of a hooligan, as a bit of a... Oh, old, one, of, one of the boys, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's an yeah. ultra, yeah. 
we go to. <laughs> in fact, I don't know what the game is tonight. We we know I've got mates in Italy, and we we go to Genoa every year for the Genoa Sampdoria derby. Yeah, and yeah. I take him with me. He loves getting all his ballets up and all that, yeah. and his thunderclaps going off. And they are still ultras over there. Genoa got a Branco shirt on, does he? <laughs> <laughs> but we were away at this place, and I was I was behind the goal, and it was closer. And it was only a few minutes to go, and um, there was a gang of their supporters, you know. 25, 30 year old lads, about 10 of them, and you could tell they were boys and that. And some of them shout, one of them shouted something, they scored or something, and Sam had a bottle of beer and he just went like that and swilled them and gave it a fuck. And like he didn't know, he's in those towns, fuck, I've used Yeah, yeah. There was fucking murder in the, in the stand, players jumping out of the dugout. I think Stafford was in charge, players jumping out of the dugout and all this, but we went the back the year after in the same at the same place. I thought, we're going to, there's going to be a bit of trouble here. But it wasn't too bad. There was yeah. a little bit of needle. But I think, I think they beat us the, the year we went back. Yeah. So, if you had to, uh, for me, me final question on on the picking picking a partner for the knockout pairs, are you gonna you gonna pair them up with you, or are you gonna manage them, or are you? No, I'll pair them up with me because yeah, yeah, I can do as you said. I'll put the number ten on and you know, do all the crap <laughs> the stuff. Fagio, you do the yeah, Baggio yeah, game. Yeah. You're like Peter Beardsley, that's it. Peter Beardsley, or like Quasimodo. Yeah. So go on then. What's... It'd be Kingy, It'd be John King. You and John King, yeah, because he would. He'd just do. He'd go and do all the rat and do all the hard work. Chase the ball down. He'd give it to me, and I'd just do with Jimmy Greaves. You stand there. You stand there like Beppe Signori. Yeah. Take all the take all the credit. Yeah, nice and clean. <laughs> yeah. So go do on. me. Yeah. I know you've spoke about Kingy, and, and we don't want to go into a bit of like I love him, but for for the qualities that that you you wanted in players, he, yeah. he he had it all for you. Yeah. Just as a player and, and as a man, you know what I mean. He'd, sh- he'd shake your hand at the end of the game. He's he's got he's got the old problem of um, short arms, deep pockets. Like you, you've at got the to, bar. yeah, you've got to get him into the bar early enough. <laughs> Kingy's the only fella that I know. We used to go back in the club, and there'd be five of you sitting in company, and you know I'm going to say this, Kingy. Five of us sitting company, and he'd already worked it out. I'd get the first round in, and he'd go, his missus has come to pick him up in a couple of minutes. He's driving, so we can only have two. So we'd be in our so there'd just be me and him in the round. Yeah, <laughs> uh, more, for, uh, more money left for him to keep drinking. Yeah, yeah. But, he, but he, had, he had, he did, on the field, he had everything. He could, you know, he, he wasn't skillful. You'd never expect him to go past the player, but he'd tackle for you, he'd dead for you. He'd, he'd He'd play the same for you if you were going for the league as he was when you were relegation or end of season dead rubber. Every yeah. game was important to win. Every tackle was important to win. No, top notch, mate. Top notch. So keep up the good work, mate, with the uh, the inclusion book stuff. Yeah. Um, well, come down and do a bit of coaching if you want, Michael. No You're always welcome yeah. there. No what I will, I will pop down, mate. And um, I've spoke about uh, maybe doing like a Legends game for the state from the off and, and hopefully we, I've, I spoke to Joe and we might be able to use Beatles pitch which which would be great uh, yeah. fantastic state of the art pitch and I'd love you to be involved there mate if uh, if I can and well I'd love to be involved and uh, the good thing about it my dad won't be there to sack me will he no I'm sure I can speak for uh, everyone listening about uh, about your dad and, and how much of a legend he is in the, on the scene and uh, he'll be sadly missed by everyone yeah. so thanks thanks, thanks very mate. much for, for coming on John and uh, lovely to speak to you mate and you Michael we just need you. to rekindle that partnership yeah, at some point don't we? One day. on that day maybe that game <laughs> yeah for the last two minutes <laughs> <or so. laughs> thanks very much thanks Michael so, pleasure cheers